Podcast. It's Saturday, July 17th, 2021, and this is the reawakening tour edition of the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! Well, we're here. Day one, the Reawaken America Tour, hosted by Mr. Clay Clark here in Anaheim. Good stuff so far. Yeah, that's my uh, lovely co-host Noah, and I'm Roan. How's it going? Not too bad. We're Nicholas this weekend. Uh, he got caught up in family stuff, had some uh, parental duties on Saturday because it was his daughter's birthday, so happy birthday to her. Yeah, happy birthday. And uh, imagine that. Walmart got so busy last night that he had to stay for an extra eight hours, therefore uh, not that allowing was a bummer. Him, yeah, not allowing him to join us today. It's a bummer, man. Um, yeah, we're here day one. A uh, lot of awesome guests coming up on our plate. We're going to have everybody from Ian Smith returning to the show and all the way through Dr. Stella Emanuel, who you can all probably remember from her awesome testimony on Capitol Hill last year where she talked about the uh, the hoax that is COVID-19 and all of the treatments that go along with it. So hoaxy. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to have her on as well. Yeah. Um, the energy here is top-notch, getting off the freeway and coming up to the uh, church venue where they're having it at. Um, you would think you're going to a Trump rally. Lots of flags. Yeah, got, got a couple, got maybe half mile of trucks and flags and people wearing red, white, and blue everywhere. And the uh, levels of way... It's like an 11 on the patriotism scale. It's not a 17? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably 17. I think it is, too. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where you feel the boomerang coming back. It's coming back hard, and we're going to be uh, bringing you a lot of awesome interviews this week. Definitely a different vibe of the show, episode 49. Steak for Breakfast podcast. Sound quality is going to be a little off, but the content's going to be better than ever. So stay tuned, uh, so, enjoy, and uh, there's a whole range we'll of reasons why I'm here. A whole range of reasons of why I'm doing what I am doing across this country. But why I am here in California? Because I am not going to give up on California. <laughs> Yes. It was a fraudulent election in this country, and I'm tired of what's happening. And we're going to take 
country back. and socialism and communism and I'll tell you what it's just like and I'm going to use a little bit of what Kennedy talked about because I was up in northern uh, northern California last night up in Yuba and Sutter County wow yeah we got a beautiful church up there wow Glad church talking to a bunch of people and we had a great time we had a great wow. night we also talked to about 350 wow. veterans so for all the veterans in here and in the tent thank you very much thank you Kennedy talked about, and he mentioned Eisenhower, General Eisenhower, okay? General Eisenhower in his farewell speech to this country in 1961. This is 2021, 1961. So he warned about the military-industrial complex, right? So he warned the country about, I mean, and that would be a guy at that time that clearly understand And he always said that, you know, like a lot of other leaders in time, particularly our founders also said, they always, they always warned us about, it's not going to be from a foreign threat, especially after we kicked the, the, uh, the British's rear end in the, in the 1770s, right? I mean, sorry, I love, love, love my uh, British friends, but that was the war then, Revolutionary War, that got us to where we are today as a nation. Founded the Constitution. The founders were people that sacrificed everything. But in 1961, he warned us about something called the military-industrial complex. Today... Today, it's now the military-industrial security complex. And the security state, I mean, it gets down to this, this business about they're going to come knocking on your door to do what? What are they going to do? I mean, they're going to they're tell you how to deal with your own personal health? No. Exactly. Thank you. No. They're not. They're not going to do that. And they should not do that. They don't have the right to do that. They also don't have the right to decide how our children are going to be taught. Right. Yeah. We do not have the right to teach our children this nonsense critical race theory. The next thing that's going to happen is all this 1619 nonsense. And like I always tell everybody, Black Lives Matter is not about color. It's not about color. I don't care if somebody's purple with pink polka dots. I don't care. I look at what they say, and then I look at what they do and how they act. That's what it's about. And in America, thank God, thank God that our founders, they did not create the federal government first, and then the state government, and then gave us these little things called individual liberties, or the Bill of Rights. Thank God the founders had the vision, and the creativity, and the innovation for this new world, for these 13 colonies. They started at the bottom level, they started with we the people. And they said to we the people, we're gonna give you individual liberties first. We're gonna make sure that everything we've learned over the history of time, we're gonna create something beautiful. And they studied everything. They studied everything. You read their diaries, you read their arguments, you look at their debates, you read all the various historical books about them. They started with us. They decided we the people are going to be the ones that are going to be given rights. And those rights, the Bill of Rights, are the principles that we live by. The Constitution is the fulfillment of those principles. And that's what we live by right now. What is happening is we now live in a, in a really a, 
a, a state of tyranny at the federal level. Yeah. What they did was they gave us individual rights and they sprinkled some, some rights and some privileges and some responsibilities at the state level. And that's what you're seeing play out in Arizona. That's what you're going to see play out in Georgia. You're going to see it play out in Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I'm paying very close attention to this stuff right now. Yeah. It's very, very important. Very important that what we do, all of us, and I'm going to talk a little bit about your need to do a little bit of research about and to understand where things come from. Because everybody uses that phrase, the shining city on the hill. Where does that come from? Where does it come from? And I'll, I'm going to describe that to you because it's really, really important that we understand that because that's who we are. America's foundation is not a foundation that was built on sand. It's a foundation that was built on faith. And then, and then the founders gave the federal government really not much to do. Some, some, some foreign diplomacy stuff, maybe to protect our waters and do some stuff with the borders, right? Like protect our borders. Right? Don't leave the, as my, as my buddy Bishop Leon says, don't leave that door open. Close that door, right? I mean, I love him. <laughs> they only gave the federal government a couple of things to do because they knew if they started with the federal government, we'd have a king. We'd have a king. And we wouldn't have what we have and none of us would be here doing this today. In fact, the only reason that we're able to do the kinds of things that these health and freedom festivals are doing around the country is because we still have rights as individuals. America has really, to me, to me, this is just speaking for myself, America has two real values that, that we look for in ourselves and we look for in, in each other and certainly in, our, in those officials that we put into charge of things. And those two values are courage and the other is accountability. We want courage. You know, and courage sometimes comes in unnatural ways because if you think too much, like on the battlefield, if you think too much, you're probably not going to do it because fear sets in. And all of us have a, have, a, have a sense of fear. There's a lot of fear in this country right now because we don't trust our government. And that's not a good thing for a constitutional republic, for the United States of America to have no faith in the institutions of government. But we fear, we allow fear to set in. Right? But what we have to have and what we have to feel is we have to feel what's in our heart. Right? Women would call that women's intuition. Yes. I call it a gut feel. Yeah. The hair in the back of your head comes back of your neck comes up. Yeah. You feel it. You know it's the harder right sometimes to do. When I would talk with young children, or I would counsel young officers or young privates in the military, I would say, What is your heart telling you? What do you know is, is right? to do. And they'd say, well, this is the right thing to do. And I'd say, it's hard to do, isn't it? It takes a little bit of risk. It takes courage. We want our leaders to show courage. I want you to show courage. Because one of the things I'm going to ask you to do, and I'm asking this country to do, every single people in this room and the people across the landscape of America, you have got to stand up and start showing some courage.
That's counseling statement number one. The second thing, exactly, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll say that a couple of times. There you go. The second thing is accountability. Accountability. Accountability is something that we expect because we, we actually have two types of laws in the United States of America. We have something called moral laws and we have man's laws. And we teach our children moral laws. In fact, moral laws and man's laws are weaved throughout our entire system of government, and throughout our entire rule of law. Moral laws and man's laws. Moral laws is what we teach our children from the day they're born. We teach our children, don't touch that, leave Michael's stuff alone, go do this. Just the basic things that are right and wrong. They're commonsensical type stuff. Those are moral laws. It's the law of man, that, or the law of God, the law of our faith. Excuse me. That says this is right, this is wrong. It's common sense. It's common sense. Yes. Moral laws. We teach our children moral laws, and you can you can go through all of you that have had children, and and I know many of you have, and people out in the tent as well. Everybody's had children at some point in time, and you're teaching them different things along that path. Because if you teach them right and wrong, what you're preparing them for as early, in their early adult stages of life, you're preparing them for man's laws. Man's laws. Man's laws are not supposed to be created by them. They're supposed to be created by us through a representative government. It's really super important because we have lost, we have lost our representative government. And you all know this out here in California, my God, every time you have a vote out here, you get some other thing that you're voting on, and it's like, I swear, I've, I've tried to read a couple of them, and they're just filled with nonsense, and people typically go, but, but, okay? But we can say, yeah, but my, my counsel, and it's to me too, because I you know it's, a, it's the old, like, I'm pointing at you, but I got one finger pointing back at me. We're to blame for this. I, I'm tired. In fact, I want you to stop complaining about Washington, D.C. I want you to stop complaining about Sacramento. I want you to stop complaining about the counties that you're from. Unless you can complain if you're there fighting that good fight every single day. If you're not, if you're not part of that fight, then you need to start thinking about where, are you, where can you garner the courage to get off the couch. Yeah. Or, or, and I know that it's tough sometimes because, especially for women who are many in, in our country today, across the country, and definitely in this state, there are a lot of single moms out there with children holding down a job or two. Very, very important. And I know that. And for the people that are like my age, I call this sort of a mature age, and those that are a little bit more mature than me, they don't have children anymore. Their children are not at home. Okay? Because I, I look at different cuts of our society. Because young people, the young people that are in this country, you know, honestly, they're, it's like they're growing up in a place that I don't recognize. And, and, and I know I know some of the things that have been talked about today, particularly in our government. That's why they, you know, that's why we have to fight like Flynn because they fear Flynn. Yeah. 
know, when somebody says, well, he knows where the bodies are buried. I know how our government functions. I know a lot about the deep state, the bloated bureaucracy, the various functioning agencies, activities, and departments of our government. That's why, frankly, that's why what happened to me, and what happened to me, what happened to me is is an extension of what is happening to our country today. They're, they're, I don't worry about the you know, the sort of the Democrats anymore. That's the last time I'll use the word Democrat because they're not. I don't worry about them. I know, I know what their game plan is. I know exactly what their game plan is. And it hasn't, it's, all Trump did was got in the way. Trump got in the way. Thank God he did because what it has done, if it's done nothing, And I'll use the the analogy or the metaphor or whatever of warfare. Because we are in a time of warfare. And there's components of it. I mean, these are real. These are real components. One of them is physical. We're in this physical warfare. And part of it is this nonsense going on with this COVID thing. I mean, if you have such a high rate of recovery, and there's preventative measures like ivermectin or or hydrochloroquine. I mean, I've been around thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the last you know year, certainly in the last six to eight months. But I remember in the military, it was bare aspirin. I mean, I did just because you're deployed all, all you know over these places that you have to take something to protect yourself from all the stuff you're going to eat or the different things you're going to drink. So maybe that's why my immunity's like that. I don't know. I'm one of nine children. You know, my mother used to take us, and if there was a family down the street that was sick, she would say, walk us all down there. She'd walk down, and my mother would say, well, our lady can, can the cleanse all come inside because we know your kids are sick. We'd go in there, and we'd play, you know, mess around, and we'd all come out with runny nose, and you know. I mean, that was the way it was. But that, you know what that was? That was my mother teaching us moral authority and moral laws and giving us good, God-given common sense. Because she taught us that it's a parent's responsibility to teach their children and not the government. Physical, physical, that's a physical giver. That's a component of the war that we are facing. The second part is emotional. Emotional, this is a, this is a very emotional time for this country. It's a very emotional time for this country. Extremely emotional. So let's talk about the families, right? Just families, internal, right? I mean, people in here, friends. Arguments that you've had, right? 
Friends that you've lost. I've lost a lot of friends. A lot of friends. And I found I found friendship in the American people. And I'll and I'll uh, I'll I'll do it. So the emotional time, this emotional roller coaster that our country's going through. And the thing and, and the emotional part, like and I'll use this this uh, this Arizona audit and the hearing that they just had. Very emotional. There's a lot of emotions right now because they got caught. So they're very emotional right now. Because they're afraid. I fear. They're afraid because if they followed their heart, they would not have done the wrong thing. They would not have taken the easier path. What they did is they did the wrong thing. Emotional. So there's this emotional roller coaster going on in this country, and people fear their government. As I said earlier, we don't trust our, we don't trust the institutions that we used to trust. I, one of the things that I know we were overseas fighting for was the rule of law for this country, as much as for some of these other countries when we were engaged in in combat or engaged in some type of operation overseas. Rule of law. It's an emotional thing for me. Emotions are running high in this country with our families particularly with our families, with our communities. Mm -hmm. Bishop Leon was up here and he talked about the churches, right? We got a church that's closed and a liquor store that's open. In my, in my town, my community is right across the street. The liquor store is open and the church is closed. Yeah. And I, you know, I, and I, I mean, I look at that and I say, I mean, how many of us? Or, or you go into a restaurant, very emotional. I'm emotional about this, right? I'm determined. I'm very emotional about this because you know, I went to a restaurant with my wife. we got to have the mask on, right? And I walk over and they take us to the table. And then I sit down, right? I sit down and I can take my mask off. So what happened to COVID between here and here? Right? That's what I've been saying. My father's a retired mass sergeant from the from the army. He was a World War II career vet. He's deceased now. And he used to tell us he was a great guy. One of nine children, like I said, Irish Catholic family. My father used to tell me, Michael, don't be stupid. <laughs> 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 and then he would say, go play in the street. It has an emotional roller coaster because we don't know what's going to happen. We hear this, we hear that, and it just tears at our emotions. Okay? Intellectual. There's, there's an intellectual war going on in this country. And part of that intellectual war, you have some great people. And that's why I love these kinds of events because we're learning things from things, right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't stand here or sit here or be out there in that tent and not learn something, even, even if it's just one thing that you came to, to learn. My mother was a, was a great woman and she taught us to be lifelong learners. Never stop learning. And we, have, we have a lot of fake news, right? Fake news. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're following me around out here. 
parking lot, and I, and I you know, I mean, the, the reporter comes up, and right away, because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I engage. I don't mind engaging. I don't mind engaging because I have nothing to hide. <laughs> I, mean, I'm not, I always, when, uh, when uh, President Trump, we talk to each other, I always, he always says, man, you're the most vetted man in America. And I said, no, Donald, you're the most vetted man in America. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even find a parking ticket on me. Not even a parking ticket. Imagine that. But, you know, you just, you understand what's happening. And I have strong faith. Intellectual warfare. So, I'll tell you a very quick story. And this is something that I did to learn about something that I really, truly believe in. So, intellectually, I wanted to study something that was very personal to me. So what I'm telling you, as you listen to this hopefully quick story, that when somebody says something, right, like my old man used to say, believe half of what you hear and half of what you see. And go find out the truth. Because we have to we have to discover, and the truth, the truth is, the truth will always come out. It will always rise to the top. The truth will always come out. So well, we all hear this phrase, shining city on the hill, and I like to talk about that because it's a, and I use it in speeches sometimes when I do formal stuff and I talk about Ronald Reagan because I'm a big fan of him because I think he was a transformational leader. He was a, he was, you know, he was a great president, he was a transformational leader, and he was right from here, right in California. So, he used to talk about shining city on the hill. And so I'd say, well, where does that phrase come from? Because somebody said, well, you know, I think George Washington mentioned it. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. So I kept looking and looking. And the first time that it was mentioned for this country, first time it was mentioned for this country was a, gen was a gentleman by the pastor by the name of Winthrop. And it was in 1630 on a crossing of the Atlantic on one of those old vessels as people were leaving their country. They were basically getting the heck out of Dodge because they were being persecuted for their beliefs. And they're in the middle of the Atlantic, and he gives a sermon. In 1630, Winter became the first mayor of Boston. And it was still, you know, we didn't have a country at the time. It was just a, sort of the new, you know, the new land that's out there. We're just going to go and find it, right? People had been discovering parts of it. So in that sermon, he talks about the city on the hill. And he describes this beautiful sermon. You can look it up. It's a beautiful, beautiful sermon. And he talks about the city on the hill. And then he says, you know, like, you know, people that sit in the front row, probably VIPs or something, and people way in the back, in the, in the back of the tent, you know, and thank you again. You know, it's like, he says, on this ship, and he's looking at probably a group of people that are no more than, than right here in these first couple of rows. That's about how many people are on board that ship. And he says to him, there's people here who have next to nothing, but we need you because you have a talent, you have a skill, right? Maybe you're a carpenter, but you have a skill. And then there's people on that ship that had a pocket of gold, right? They had, they had or maybe they were, they were an educated lawyer. But they all got on board that ship for the same purpose. They wanted to discover and find liberty and freedom. So, I kept digging deeper because I'm saying, man, this is really unbelievable. It's so powerful. It moved me. I'm talking about it right now. It moved me so much. So then I said, where is it? Because I'm not one of these like 
You know, I'm not a preacher type of guy, but I, I have become so faithful because I do believe that there's a reason and a purpose, and I do believe personally, I do believe personally that our destiny is decided before we're born. Yes. I believe that. Yes. I believe. So I looked, I looked, I looked, and I, you know, looking, putting that phrase, and that phrase, city on the hill, is Matthew 5.14. Right. Right out of the Bible. Yeah, so America, America is the land, and our foundation, our foundation is the, is the land that God ordained. And, that, and as George Washington, as George Washington used to say all the time, he used to talk about divine providence. There's so many stories about George Washington and the miracles that he was able to perform both on the battlefield and in life. And he used to always talk about divine providence. All of our great leaders in time over, over the history of our country talked about that and talked about how this nation is the type of nation that it is. And that's, for me, that was I wanted to discover who we really were and why were we defined like that, and I found it in the Bible. And I've done a lot of studying of our Constitution and the development of our Constitution and all of those people that have written and, and, and studied and debated way back when. We're a nation built on Judeo-Christian principles and values, and we should be careless about those values. So the, the last part of it, as I said, four, right? Physical, emotional, intellectual. The last part of it surrounds all three, and that's spiritual. Yes. Because what we have taken for granted, all of us in this room, especially those in that mature category, okay? Especially those. There you go. Be proud. Be proud. We have taken for granted our faith. God has been ripped out of our society. I started looking back a little bit when, when we used to have public schools teaching religion in our public school system. I mean, you know, and I could go on and on and on about the spiritual warfare that we are engaged in, but I can tell you, I can tell you that the side that we're up against, which I said, I'm not going to say that word, and I know what their battle... I know what their battle plan is. I know exactly what it is. I don't even worry about it. What I worry about is us getting our act together. Right. Right. And we the people. And I ain't talking about the Republican National Party or the GOP Party here in California. I'm talking about we the people right here in this room. staring us in the face. The fact of life is that nation states I always say, have you ever met anybody from Byzantine? Right? Not Ovaltine, Byzantine, right? And the answer is no. You never met anybody from Byzantine. It's one of the earliest empires that ever existed. It doesn't exist anymore. 
we can go through, I go through the history of, of the planet, the history of time, and all the various empires are gone. So how much longer? Is America waxing or are we waning? Where are we in the era and the history of this country? Well, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know where I believe? And I listened last night, I listened last night to a woman and then another woman on the stage was dancing uh, to God Bless America. So, so the woman was standing on a stage about like this and she was just this beautiful voice, like, a, like an angel. And she's singing God Bless America. And, and there was this other ballet dancer on the stage and she's just flittering all over the stage. And I'm, I mean, I'm standing there and I was standing in the, in the front and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I, I mean, I just got, I mean, I just was flush. Wow. I was flush because I, I felt that. You know, I like, I felt something where, you know, you feel sometimes you're out there and you just kind of, it's like, whoa. I felt such a, 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 a feeling of power. Right? I felt such a feeling of power. And the feeling of power was overwhelming because it was like, you know, it's like something's coming to you and, there's, and it's saying, we're going to be okay. Amen. Okay, so America, California, we're going to be okay. Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we have a lot of friends out there. Yeah, yeah. Man, man. Yeah. You want to fight like a friend. We have a lot of friends out there. And that's right. Let's go. Some shoes on, he gets up on the stage, he just wants to get you off the stage. So, I, uh, I will finish with this because I need to tell you this because it's really important and it's important for me personally and for my family. Um, we experienced extraordinary uh, political persecution, and you know, it's still, it's still kind of carried on, it carries on. The people always come to me and say, I'm so sorry for what happened to you guys. And I tell everybody, don't feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for our country. Okay? And then and then stand up and do something. Right? Stand up and go do something. Get involved. I like the phrase, local action has a national impact. Local action has a national impact. Get involved in your damn community. Don't just go away from here and go, yeah, that was a great conference, that was fun, we had a great time. You know? You go back and you start thinking about how you're going to get involved. I want you all, I want every one of you to think of yourself as a champion, as a warrior, and as a fighter for this country. That's what I want. And you have to decide how you can best be a champion, how you can best be a warrior. Prayer, prayer is the most powerful weapon That's right. of man. Amen. stand up and we're going to do something. Yeah, so, to the American people, to all of you in this room, and to everybody that listens to this, 
I will tell you, on behalf of my entire family, we want to say thank you because the American people helped my family and I, particularly, breathe. Starting off right now, day one, the reawakening tour out here in Anaheim, Clay Clark event. We have our first guest on the show today. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Daniel Navejas. I'm a pastor out of Oklahoma City. Okay. Oh, uh, overseeing an organization called Abortion Free States, and we're working uh, nationwide to get this taken care of. Nice. Welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Thank you. Um, so why don't you tell us a little about what, what you got going on? Uh, what? How did you and Clay kind of get together, and uh, you know what made you feel compelled to jump on the uh, tour? Yeah, so I've been working with uh, Jackson Lawmeyer and his campaign in Oklahoma, working with lots of different politicians, uh, specifically on this issue, mm -hmm. on the issue of abortion. And a lot of people say, well, are you guys just a typical pro-life organization? Right. And the answer to that is no. Um, in short, a couple things is most pro-life organizations, most uh, pro-life legislators, they simply want to amend the issue of abortion and we want to end it like we just want to like deal with it the way that it is so the way we help people understand that is if I asked a question does the pharmaceutical industry want to find a cure to any of the diseases that they're addressing they have no desire to do that no. they, they just want to treat the the symptoms that are there they need their money they need their money exactly right. so what we've been able to help people understand is in the last 48 years the pro-life establishment has no desire to end abortion they want to keep regulating it and incrementally chipping away and hoping that maybe one day we might actually be able to end abortion in America. So your your uh, what would you call it? It's a platform. It's a campaign called Abortion Free States. So uh, Abortion Free States is a 501c3 nonprofit educational ministry. So we work a lot with uh, uh, educating people, helping them understand the distinction of what's happening across the nation. We also support candidates. We also do a lot of uh, on the ground humanitarian outreach, mm -hmm. literally at the abortion clinics. And so what we found over the last decade is 92% of women who have options choose not to have an abortion. I would assume that's that's probably correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So instead of going out and yelling and screaming at people and telling them to God, hey, we just let them know, hey, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. We're here to help. And we have people literally come directly out of the uh, parking lot to the sidewalk and we're able to find out what are their needs. And from that point, then we're able to share the, you know, hope with them and, and uh, you know. No, I think, I think I think it's really good. I think one, one of the things, you know, like you said, options is probably a huge component of it, and people who are going to right-mindedly take the option of getting an abortion probably doesn't have a lot of the resources or support either in their community or even the home that you would think would be you know critical to making such a, a terrible decision like that. How has your uh, how has your organization been um, you know kind of 
brought, like, what's the response you've gotten touring around? An incredible, incredible response and openness to what we're talking about. You put it in perspective. Um, you know, it's just people think that they're right until they hear another side of things. Right. And so what happens when you end up in a cycle, and when we're talking about abortion, we're talking about a 48-year-old cycle of the same thing over and over. The numbers aren't going down. They're actually going up. Mm-hmm. People are wondering what's up, what's going on, what's the difference. And so what we try to do is help people make that. So one of the, and I'll explain it here, 1857, uh, the Supreme Court of America said that black people were only three-fifths human. Mm-hmm. So they could be bought, sold, traded, beaten without limitation. That was a Supreme Court ruling. Okay. Wisconsin was the first state in the nation to say not so. Uh, we believe that all human beings, regardless of the color of their skin, are created in the image of God. And mm-hmm. if you can make it within our borders, you'll be free. So that gave birth to the Underground Railroad. Right. Fast forward through time, we see the abolition of slavery. 1973, the Supreme Court rules again in the favor of dehumanization of humans. He said, you can chop these babies up, you can burn with acid, you can destroy them in their mother's womb. And in fact, you can even take their parts and sell them to the highest bidder. Same situation, same kind of slavery, different time frame. We just believe that God is raising up a standard in the 21st century of abolitionists that are willing to take that same stance and say, we're not willing to negotiate with this anymore. The same way in the 1800s, we didn't say, okay, you can only rape your slave on Mondays, no other days. Okay, you can own a slave as long as you give them a mattress. You You can't breed them. You can't give all of their children away. Let them keep their firstborn. All of these regulatory type bills were unbiblical. Mm-hmm. So we get into the same situation as we're talking in America right now is you can, we have 3,500 pro-life laws across the United States right now. All of those bills determine when, where, and how you can legally murder a baby. So for example, in Oklahoma, we have a bill called the hinge bill. The hinge bill says you cannot use a hinged instrument because sometimes the head is too large, right. but you can use a high powered vacuum. What's the difference? There isn't one. So we just celebrate these, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. And so it's the same package every year. It's got a new wrapping on the outside. It looks good, but it's the same thing, just putting us in this cycle of literally a, a silent holocaust of 77 plus, 77 million plus innocent, defenseless, murdered American citizens. Yeah, I mean, it's really kind of interesting to think that for has how woke the culture movement is right now and in all the empowerment, virtue signaling, cultural appropriation, um, that things like abortion would be such a widespread and and seem to be normalized uh, kind of method that's used anywhere in the modern world. So you you would think in a place like America where, you know, at the end of the day, I still do think we, we get back to our values and, and things like that, that, you know, you have so many candidates or elected officials uh, who kind of side with this terrible practice that's been going on, like you said, for years and years and years. So what else do you want to tell us about your ministry? Yeah, what we're doing right now is we are building coalition, literally state to state. And so we're wanting to connect with individuals there that are saying, hey, I'm tired of playing these same old Mm pro-life games over and over. And and the reality is the pro-choicers and the pro-life establishment, they're just the two sides of the same coin. Whenever the the pro-lifers have a victory, they put it all over Facebook and huge fundraisers, the same thing with the pro. It's just a big money game that goes around. But we want to connect those who are saying, hey, we really want to make a difference. And we want to do more than just yelling and shouting at people. We actually want to let people know, hey, you have value, you have purpose, you're not alone, you're not by yourself. So we want to train them how to do that at the abortion clinics. We also want to train people how they can connect to their legislators and put forth legislation that's actually based on a biblical foundation 
and not just going to give us 50 more years of compromise. Yeah, I, I think one of the big things is is that you know big pharma and the lobby groups are so in the pockets of people who are supportive of measures and, and practices like that. You, you probably run into a little resistance, but at the end of the day, I think some of the the candidates and people who are running for office who who kind of feel the same way that we do um, about abortion and, and things like that kind of just don't understand that there's a lot of support, like you said, at the grassroots level, at, at the ministry level, and, uh, you know, what's with organizations that are working across the country that would support them, they just have to have a little bit of courage and stand yeah. up, for, you know, yeah. to the things that are not not really uh, popular. Like, when you stand up to big-time lobby groups and you stand up to big pharma, you get right. a lot of pushback like you saw during COVID. I mean, that's something right. that we talk a lot about on our show. And, uh, you know, when we had Clay Clark on a few weeks ago, he talked about all the alternative uh, methods that were kind of demonized. I made the point at there where I thought like things like the vaccine are, are pretty much an alternative method because the things that worked in the beginning, because they were simple and already available, like you guys and your resources, they kind of just push it to the side and say, no, that's not important. We need to have new stuff, new legislation. Like you said, with the, uh, with, with the way that they um, actually carry out the abortions and because of the size of the baby's heads and stuff. So yeah, I think it's definitely uh, something that's really good that you're doing yeah and, and uh, what you're talking about is exactly right the, the the pharmaceutical industry is one of the biggest proponents of abortion yeah. they're the ones that are creating the acid that scolds a baby over a time period of three to five days until it dies they're provi providing the abortifacient drugs they're providing all the resources at the abortion clinic so they're also one of the largest donor groups into the pockets of the legislators so they don't want to upset those groups of people and so they keep saying, well, I passed this pro-life legislation. We're seeing huge waves and shifts in, across America right now. Now we have people running, not as pro-lifers, but abolitionists, and are saying, like in Oklahoma this last year, we had six pro-life bills. Our abolitionist candidates voted no. Wow. And so that was, it was, that was a huge thing for Oklahoma. So Pretty you have pro-life Republican senators. They're saying, we're not voting for these pro-life bills. Well, of course, the pro-life establishment send out emails, you know, send them phone calls and tell them how horrible they are. And they said, no, I wasn't elected to negotiate with children. You elected me to end abortion, and that's the only kind of legislation that I'm willing to do. That legislation is now in 17 different states across the nation. So I'm very hopeful about the future. The biggest thing is right now is just getting out the word to as many people as possible. Yeah, it's good that you got to stop by with us today and get the word out to our listenership. I know there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, are kind of uh, the base of our show that this is something that they're pretty strongly convicted to. Um, I, th I think the most interesting thing is that when it comes to abortion, it's it's either there's no middle ground for people who, however they feel about it, but like when you talk to somebody, if they're pro-abortion, they kind of feel like they have to just celebrate all parts of abortion. Yeah. Like right. no, no matter how grotesque and how 30 seconds before the baby comes out, that's when the abortion happens. Like there's no middle ground. There's no agreeing on the fact that that is an awful, awful thing to do. Just because a baby hasn't come out of the, the mother. Right. Like, that's just inhumane, right. to, to say the least. It doesn't mean that it's not a living person. But when you're talking to people, have you ever found anybody that agrees with you on some points, but they're still kind of back and forth? So where we do is we do see some disagreement that is here. Um, so in the, to help to make this distinction is, again, in the 1800s, you had the pro-slave people. Mm -hmm. These are the people who believe it was their God-given right to own slaves. You had anti-slavery people right. who were opposed to slavery but they were not in, in in favor of immediatism so they would say things like well how will farmer joe 
plant his crops and harvest them if you just make him get rid of all of his slaves today. And again, if you let him go, what are you going to do with all of them? Right. So these are the almost identical arguments that we hear all these years later. And there are those that say, hey, I'm opposed to abortion. But, I mean, you can't just stop it all today. Mm-hmm. And so where is a woman going to get a, a, a safe abortion? You know, she'll be trying to use a hanger in an alleyway and, and bleeding to death. So there are those that have these caveats of compassion that are misappropriated, but they just, you know, they, they try to... Maybe this, or what about in the case of rape and incest? Right. So these are questions that even pro-lifers, there are people that are pro-life that said, but in the case of rape or incest. And so where we do AFS is we're an overtly Christian organization, and we just take people to the Word of God. In Ezekiel, it says, you do not punish children for the sins of their parents, nor vice versa. So these children that were conceived uh, in rape or incest or a situation like that, it's not that child's fault. Right. It is a horrible situation. But again, this is a human being created with a purpose and a destiny, just like all the rest of us, that they deserve a chance at life as well. Yeah. And so there are some caveats there. But what we find is if we can have reasonable conversations with people, we're able to move them over, especially those who are biblically minded and, you know, claim to be a Christian. Yeah, it's like I kind of mentioned on a few minutes ago, I think it, the lack of support and understanding for the totality of the situation is sometimes one of the only components i mean obviously god scripture and, and and having you know faith and stuff like that is largely important but just not knowing where to turn and and not knowing that when you turn there there's going to be people like you who's there you know ready to support them and just love them up like that and i think it's pretty uh pretty amazing you know what you're doing it was nice meeting you why don't you uh let all of our listeners know if they want to learn about your ministry and your organization where they can find you online sure sure absolutely you guys can uh, go to our website so it's going to be afs.life so for abortion free states afs.life and you can find all of information of finding out more about abortion more find about what we're doing and how they can get involved locally in their own states nice we appreciate you stopping down and uh we wish you the best. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you guys for yeah, having nice me on. To meet you. God bless you. Take care. Yeah. God bless you. We're here now with Mike Miller. Um, so he's the founder of Texas Warriors for Ranchers. Yeah, Warriors <laughs> for Ranchers. And uh, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got going on here at the uh, Reawakening Tour? Perfect. So. Uh, yeah, I met everybody uh, in Tampa, so a lot of folks go, you got to meet this guy, Clay Clark. You need to amplify your voice. So I actually said a prayer in Texas. I, I've, had, I've gone through quite the, quite the journey. So we have a hunting ranch in Texas, and, and 10 years ago it was a Christian retreat center. Okay. So it was a place where people came to find Jesus, and uh, the minister got sick. And it, it went not used for a long time. And, and two years ago, we decided to start Rancho Rio Lindo, which is a, a hunting property where families can come together. You put your cell phone away and you teach the kid a life lesson, how to hunt an animal like his ancestors mm. did. And I've seen families come together that were broken and they, they leave. The love is just amazing. And they come as our friends and they leave as our family. That was our motto. Well, then the Biden administration took over. You know, they stole the election sure and did. they sure did. They uh, opened our borders in Texas and. You know, it's, it's no secret that illegal immigrants have crossed our borders for hundreds of years here in Texas. But uh, we would see one or two people a month, maybe, or every other month. But now we're getting as many as 150 a day in one neighborhood or 53 people or 58 people in one day on our ranch. So Rancho Rio Lindo is the uh, last hunting ranch before the Border Patrol checkpoint in Uvalde, Texas. So these... Uh, 
criminal organizations are circumventing the Border Patrol checkpoint to get to our ranch. So the railroad does an inspection station. So they will get on the railroad. We're 70 miles from the actual border, but they will ride that railroad up. They will bail out under our property. That is an exact uh, new word in the Texas uh, vocabulary, bailout, because mm -hmm. they're bailing out everywhere. They're jumping out of trucks. They have, oh, the Zeta cartel actually hijacked an ambulance in Laredo, Texas, plowed into a DPS officer's car, he was life flighted and fighting for his life. I mean, it is an invasion that's taking place. I was shot at with a fully automatic weapon while taking cotton seed and hay to my animals. I'm just a farmer and rancher. So then uh, we took an animal to, to taxidermy. And while that animal was in taxidermy, we came back and my family was in the cabin and a guy from the Honduras was trying to break in. So instead of beating the snot out of the guy, I took a humanitarian leap and I said, okay, I'm gonna calm this guy down I'm gonna feed him, I'm gonna get him some water because I can tell he needs it. Mm -hmm. And I called the border patrol while he was eating. And while he was eating, he held his phone up and said electrical. He wanted to charge it. And I actually got to see that he had coordinates to a coyote. So when border patrol got there, we told him and we believed there were six more people that were detained with him while they were going to get this coyote. So the last story that directly hit me was uh, I was trying to text my family to say I'm on my way home. And I'm at the gate 10.30 at night, and two guys tried to hijack my truck while I was sitting in it, just simply sending a text to my family, I'm on my way home. We just had CPAC in Dallas, Texas, right? Yeah, we sure did. So I have a t 10 two-man security teams that are protecting my ranch right now. And on Friday, they took, they took some time off on the weekend. Well, from Saturday to Monday, my cabins got hit, and whoever did it sent a message to my family, and it wasn't a good one. And so now I'm here in Anaheim and I'm gonna to continue to spread this message. I'm not gonna back down yep. because this isn't just my family. This is Texas, this is America. It's the heartbeat of our country. And if we don't take a stand together and rise up, everything that's happening in Texas is gonna directly affect everyone here. We're, they're smuggling drugs, mm -hmm. they're smuggling kids. There's sex trafficking, there's rape, there's murder, murders taking place in Reynosa, Mexico right now. Three journalists were murdered. That didn't make the mainstream media. One of them was assassinated right right there. Like, I'm going to, I know we're on audio here, but I'm going to show you guys this. Yeah, you were playing the video before we started. That looked like it was pretty uh, It was pretty intense. Pretty brutal. It's pretty brutal. I mean, I want you guys to know, like, when you see something like this in your kid's room, right? That's spreading a message, right? Yeah. Yep. That's, uh, oh, they left a knife on your daughter's dresser? They left a knife on the dresser. That's correct. And then here, they're going through the cabin, and they're literally flipping everything over. To, to show so they ransacked all your property oh yeah literally literally just like a movie look at this so they're they're literally ransacking the place look at all the clothes on the floor they were looking for something yeah it looks like any of the Hollywood movies where somebody just goes and turns a house upside down literally that's happening to me yeah yes and then you said that they found a piece of mail that had your address on it or something right they had an address yeah. on it it's, it's, uh, so you just don't want them finding out where you're at but we have to keep that piece of paper on the property because that's a hunting ranch. Yeah. And that's paper that basically says we have the rights to have exotic animals on the property. And they mm -hmm. found that piece of paper and they left it out in plain view so you would know that they found that That address. they found it. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, so it has not been fun being Mike Miller right now, but I will tell you this, that uh, I took an oath to serve our country in the United States military. Mm -hmm. And when I retired, that oath didn't end. No. It so um, I'm asking every single patriot and American out there, if you want to become a warrior and you want to join me in this movement, visit us online on Facebook at Warriors for Ranchers. If you feel led by God to donate to our organization, go to warriorsforranchers.com. I was asked by the U.S. Customs to come speak at a town hall. And the reason this all happened was I looked at the people and I could see a lot of eyes welled up with tears. There was a lot of people that wanted to say something. And uh, 
I just felt like God's soft voice, that you needed to be a voice for all these people. And so it happened. I said everything that everybody wanted to say. And when I put that microphone down, you would have thought the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. And it was just a resonating feeling that something right was said. And that started. And then I started getting prayer and I started getting love and I started getting communication. Mm -hmm. More people started rising up and we went from zero to over 10,000 people literally in two weeks. And we're continuing to grow by the minute. But as you know, big tech doesn't want the truth to get out there. They sure don't. Not even so a little bit. They are shadow banning me quite heavy. And uh, I just want to ask everybody, share it to everybody you know. Mm -hmm. Share it to all your friends. And I have a three-step process for success when it comes to amplifying your voice. You make the decision yourself that you want to make a difference. You surround yourself with people who agree. And you guys have a plan. Yes. Because it's just this simple. I didn't think I would be sitting here today doing this. But I'm not going to stop. And now I'm surrounded with greatness and people in Texas who said, Mike, this is happening. We need to talk about it. And one place after the next, we're having meetings because we understand in Texas, we know. We're here in Anaheim, and this is the first time a lot of you guys are hearing about this. Yeah, we have a deep, vetted interest in the border. I mean, we live down in San Diego. Yeah, we're very close to the border. Yeah. Um, 15, within 15 miles. Are you guys getting movement through there, too? Of course. Always. The human trafficking, the narcotics trafficking. We actually point out on our show almost weekly, we have just a segment on what's going on or not at the border and all the information that's not being reported. So I think it's awesome that we were able to connect today. But uh, I love what you're doing. And, yeah. and I, I'm going to encourage all of our listenership to at least do a little investigation into your you know, organization and see how we can help. Uh, sure. Definitely going to be sharing you on social media moving forward. You said uh, you're, you might be starting a podcast as well. Do you want to yes. shout that out too? So I started Warriors for Ranchers. Okay. And being uh, you know, right here for you know, Steak for Breakfast podcast. You know, I want you guys to know if I had steak for breakfast, it's going to be black Angus, probably a ribeye. Oh, there you go. Yep, maybe a little A1. Yep. But uh, you guys started this to amplify people's voice. No salt and pepper? Yeah, a little bit of salt and pepper. You yes, absolutely. That, yeah. Yep. And a little maybe eggs on the side. But getting right to it, you now, guys are amplifying people's voices. Yes. So I just got the domain Warriors for America. Mm -hmm. And I want to help other people get their voice out there as well. God's given me the ability to speak and, and communicate with people and work with great and fine gentlemen like yourself. But to be able to do the same thing, I think podcasting is the way of the future. Mm -hmm. And I think more and more people are taking the time to listen to it and are listening to you guys now. And God bless you guys for doing that. But I mean... These kind of things, that's cartel right there in that yellow is. shirt. Yeah, so you're and showing us a picture of a bunch of people what crossing the... That was 70 people from Venezuela. Uh -huh. And they told us, we asked them, why did you come here? And, and where's they said, the location of that? That is in Del Rio, Texas. Del Rio. Look okay. at this. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's so they're crossing the water. It's a major yeah. flashpoint right now for the unmitigated border crossings that are going on illegally down there in Texas. And I'm going to tell you guys, I care about you guys as well. I would love... So I went from being a dad, farmer, rancher... To actually a journalist. I'm a self-proclaimed journalist. I actually have media credentials now that are nice. international. If you guys would love for me to come down and you guys show me where this stuff is at. I have some state-of-the-art equipment. I would love to come down and record what's happening in your neck of the woods. Yeah. And I'm getting this from, uh, I'm just one person and I'm going to have to like duplicate myself and get help. But Yuma, uh, Arizona just got a hold of me as well. Mm -hmm. And they're getting hit by hundreds hard. of people hard. Yes. And Tim Foley from the movie Cartel Land. You mm -hmm. guys know Tim. So Tim and I plan to have a rendezvous for a week, and he's going to show me what's happening there in Arizona as well and uh, what he's up against. And this guy's been doing it for 12 years. He's a legend. They call him the boogeyman. Some people call him Naylor. <laughs> uh, 
he, he is a true patriot and he does it because he cares about our country and he has inspired me through um, let's just say a source who knew him and that source communicates to me and that's how I get a lot of these images mm -hmm. uh, those were taken with my pictures but the source is who's telling me what's happening in New Mexico oh wow so we have people on both sides and uh, just to give you my thoughts is Mexico needs love too. Yeah, they do. We need to declare the cartels a, a terrorist organization. We need to send our military in to help theirs because their law enforcement wants to take action. But the cartel's killing two cops for every cartel member they're arrested. They sure are. And it's taking place. Yeah, we've seen some pretty horrific uh, video and, and images come out of Mexico in the last, it's really ramped up over the last couple of years about how ever since, you know, some of the big godfathers of the cartel either stepped down or were eliminated, the power grab and, and vacuum that they have going on there has just turned it into a... Yeah, the young ones are taking yeah. over and they're just being brutal and, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's brutal. Yeah, more, wow, yeah. this guy's got a machete in his head. That's uh, A machete in his head. Yeah. Not, not very comfortable. Yeah. yeah that's just, uh, I mean, that's just a bloodbath. I try yeah. to use a razor when I shave, but... So. <laughs> I, mean, I hope you had lunch. But uh, the reason I'm showing you guys this is real. And America needs to know that, you know, when you've got the, the Speaker of the House telling the world that the border crisis is just uh, being amplified because of the media. And climate change. And climate change. <laughs> and Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> right. And, you know, Dr. Seuss. And Pepe Le Pew. And well, all Mr. the Mr. little Potato silly... Head. That's, that's, that's reasonable, yeah. 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 That, anim that, that, that toy taught more kids how to assemble things, and they just destroyed it with their thoughts. But the reality of it is, that's what they're worried about, and we're worried about real-life issues. Right. We're worried about, you know, the fact that Trump did win that election. Sure did. And we just need to get these idiots out of the White House, and we need to reclaim our country, and we need to quit burning down churches in Canada, yep. and we need to start rebuilding churches and rebuilding our love for God in this country. Yeah, it's definitely something that needs a lot of work and attention right now. Uh, we're very thankful to have you on today, Mike Miller, the founder of the Warriors for Ranchers, and uh, bringing all of this kind of exclusive information that what's going down on the south southwest border and uh you know we appreciate you stopping by well, i yeah, appreciate thanks, you guys let's keep in touch and do an update absolutely Definitely. thank you sir hey thank you appreciate you so we're here now with Lori gregory and andy wakefield welcome to the steak for breakfast podcast why don't you guys do us a favor and tell our listenership a little bit about your guys and what you got going on right now. Sure. Uh, well, we are a film company, Seven at Chakra Films, that okay. is dedicated to truth and science, health and whistleblower stories, and exposing corruption in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm. Andy is in pre-production right now on his fourth movie. His second movie, Vaxxed, from cover-up to catastrophe, was accepted to the Tribeca Film Festival. I've seen, I've seen stuff about that, yeah. And then several days later was forced to be dropped uh, because Robert De Niro, who actually has a vaccine-injured son who is autistic, was pressured by sponsors to drop the film. Imagine that. And, of course, that was one of the best things that could have happened because he went on the Today Show and said, I'm not sure we did the right thing. I think everyone needs to see this movie. Yeah. That's pretty good promotion. Yeah, so. it's, that's yeah. the publicity you want. That is. You that can't is. buy that. You can't. You can't. So, so it's it's an honor to work with Andy because he dared to stand up and question vaccine safety almost 30 years ago, and he did it to honor. So the patients that were before him and their parents who were telling them what they saw with their children. And that was really kind of in our modern era, that was the beginning of the cancel culture 
around health freedom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. If it, if it has to do with big pharma and money, then you know they're going to be all about trying to smush out anyone who's going to come and speak. You know, not only the truth, but bring to light uh, a lot of the issues that, you know, modern medicine right now is, is kind of going through, especially, and all the way up through, you know, the COVID shots that are going on right now, so. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, and health freedom is now in jeopardy more than ever, and at the same time, we have this beautiful opportunity because of COVID, where more people are looking at vaccine safety and vaccine policy and the history of vaccine policy than, than ever before. So even though in 1986, U.S. Congress gave vaccine makers immunity from any product liability, most Americans don't know that. Yeah. And that's why Andy's most recent film, 1986 The Act, which by the way, you can stream 1986theact.com, you can rent it, you can buy it, download it, you can buy a DVD, that will exactly demonstrate how we got where we are and what was behind it that led to that kind of blank check because I don't know about you guys but that's like a dream for an industry no liability and you're mandating the products and children oh my gosh yeah what do you think right now uh, we were actually talking about it on the way up here what is the play and the pressure globally um, to push this vaccine right now like we, we all have our theories but we'd like to get everybody's opinion on that Sure. Um, I come to this as a physician. I've been in this field for 30 years, clearly long before COVID came on the market. And what's been happening, this is, this is just my kind of 10,000 foot view of what's mm -hmm. going on. Vaccines are failing. They're failing in the same way that antibiotics are failing with bacteria. And we're seeing the emergence now of multi-resistant, dangerous bacteria because of the way in which we've used antibiotics. Mm -hmm. So public health, having declared antibiotics a miracle originally, now talk about the post-antibiotic apocalypse mm -hmm. that we're in. So that's the kind of background. Vaccines are doing exactly the same thing. The traditional vaccines are failing. Measles vaccines failing. Mumps vaccines failing. Merca in court because they had to fake the data on the mumps vaccine right. to show that it worked. Polio vaccines failing. Pertussis, whooping cough vaccines failing. So they are losing the public's confidence, and they have got to restore that. So they threw a Hail Mary pass, irrespective of the merits of whether COVID is real or came out of a lab in Wuhan or whatever it is. They saw this as an opportunity to restore the public's confidence in vaccination by saying, if you don't have this, you're going to die. Right. And so they pushed it very, very hard. They stopped people getting access to life-saving treatments like ivermectin and mm -hmm. hydroxychloroquine because it had to be a vaccine and vaccine-only agenda. And now what we're seeing is the emergence of a huge rate of adverse reactions. Just one example, death. Yeah. Death in the adverse events reporting system. 11,000 deaths now following the COVID vaccines. That is more than all the other deaths from all the other vaccines added up together since that program started in the early 90s, just from COVID vaccine. Right. Wow. If that was like any other med medical product, it would have been pulled from the market immediately. Lawsuits everywhere. But it hasn't because right. it's too big to fail. Yep. But it will fail, and it's failing. It definitely is. Yeah, we feel that we feel the exact same way. There's just so many different plays on this, and uh, you know, you can. 
go on social media any day. I, I saw one yesterday that was kind of like rotating around the uh, neighborhood, and it's a whole bunch of people sitting in like a, a COVID and shot center. They're all in like, you know, folding chairs like this, and there's a lady on the ground who's like seizing, and they're like holding up her legs, and her arms are shaking and stuff. And you know, the caption on it was like, it's literally happening right in front of them, and they're all just sitting there waiting to get it. And it's like ridiculous. You know, just just the, the the pressure and I feel like that would be a red flag for me. Yeah, to say the least. And and the demonization of the uh, you know we talked about it and we, we've mentioned it already today. We had Clay Clark on our show two weeks ago, and we talked about how some of the they call them alternative treatments like hydroxychloroquine and things of that nature, but those are actually the treatments. The, the vaccine is turning out to be the alternative treatments, and like you said, it, it's failing ridiculously. And uh, you know. It's starting to kind of come back to where, okay, well, maybe these treatments can help and this, that, and the other thing. But at the same time, it's just like, like you said, it's going to take a huge corrective for it to uh, kind of get back to where, you know, trusting in medicine and uh, really getting uh, back to the basics when it comes to vaccines and, and just shots and just even the medical research, I think. You know, rushing it out there because of worldwide money and uh you know encouragement from governments is not the way to you know appropriately and medically treat people all over the world so yeah. and for encouragement read fear they've used fear as a weapon yeah. as a way of changing people's perceptions of the severity of an infection and the merits of a vaccine fear has been their key from the very beginning yeah you had you had the vice president yesterday making comments about you know if you don't get the vaccine maybe you should go reread the bible and then wow. you had Joe Biden go out and say all the people who are on social media and podcasts and things of that nature who are spreading what they call misinformation but is actually the correct information are the only people who are hurting and killing other Americans mm -hmm. because they're telling them not to get the vaccine. Right. So, well, it's, it's really a coercive model mm -hmm. that started with a false lockdown mm -hmm. based on PCR tests that were false. Way false. Based yeah. on suppressing information about known approved drugs that were already on the market for many years. I mean, all you have to do is look at the global chart for COVID incidents and see that Africa is a flat line yeah. to reveal the whole the whole truth because what do they take all the time? Hydroxychloroquine yeah, they, and they, they, ivermectin for parasitics, of infection, and for malaria and those things. So, But they've had five presidents die in Africa from <laughs> refusing the vaccine right. from the World Health Organization. Yeah, so. exactly. But, Weird. The, but the, the, the coercion, the coercive model created this suppressed lockdown right. in order to force people to do anything to get back to normal. So, oh sure, I'll get the shot just so you know I can get back to normal. I can eat in a restaurant or travel yeah. or well, have my kids yeah. go to school. The yeah. lockdown is essential for the media play to work because if you're, like for us, we have been in a job where we were quote unquote essential, so we were always going to work. So we've been seeing basically no change whatsoever in our daily life other than having to wear a mask at work. Which but, is awful, by yeah, the way. It's, yeah, it sucks. But there's people that I know who I've talked to, and they've literally been in their house for a year. Yeah. I know. And they believe everything that is being spoon-fed them by their television, and it's sad. There are children that are afraid to go outside without yeah. masks on. And there's children who are going to be socially, uh, emotionally, and developmentally. Stunted. Yeah. 
I mean, losing a year of education at just about any age when you're a kid is, is almost irreplaceable, regardless of all the bad stuff that they're teaching in school. It's just like, you know, the combination of social and, and, and educational interactions that they just weren't getting at home. I mean, I have kids that are both under the age of 10, and they didn't get any smarter over the last year staring at a computer screen for six hours a day. And, and it became really sad to where they couldn't really deal with it. Um, in the beginning, they were antsy, they were fidgety, but by the end, they just were like two blobs sitting there at the screen and I'm just like this is not okay but, and, not and okay I, I was in the same situation because I have a 13 year old and what's extraordinary is that they expect these kids to sit there and have total discipline not to go on other websites not to play games they're supposed to have some kind of superhuman self-control I'm an adult and I can't even sit I through I can't that, so. do that you know how many times I get distracted on my yeah. computer by another window that's opening and you know and somebody posts something how are children supposed to have that kind of focus they don't even have a fully developed cerebral cortex right. so what we're asking Asking them to do is really not attainable. It's a giant mess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't you do us a favor? It seems like you guys have a lot of inf good information. Uh, can you cover again websites? Oh my gosh. Well, let, can I just can I just say one thing here? Yeah, absolutely. We are in pre-production on Andy's fourth movie. Okay. Nice. It is so extraordinary because what it's going to do is it's going to take all of these people who are waking up to the COVID vaccine and bring them across the bridge to the childhood schedule. And that is a really important concept. Anybody that's telling you it's just the COVID shot is either lying or ignorant. And there's no excuse for ignorance at this point, especially anybody who's in the healthcare field. Because it's really important to consider that this COVID vaccine is being built on the same house of lies that the childhood schedule was built upon. But what Andy has is an opportunity now because he's co-written a script with a incredible screenwriter named Terry Rossio, who wrote Shrek, Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, wow. Fast and Furious, Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh, okay. And so I like some of those movies. You've heard some of those yeah. movies. So Andy and Terry have penned an incredible script. It's a feature, and it's going to give those folks that are now awake about the dangers of the COVID vaccine, the opportunity to understand the history of the childhood schedule and just precisely the kinds of behaviors that got us to this big problem. Yeah. yeah that's so good. go to team1986.com, team1986.com, because this is an opportunity for people to help save children right here. It's that simple. We are looking for 2,000 partner producers who would be willing to contribute $20 a month to help us raise funds to be a part of this movement. This is a health freedom blockbuster and we have the person who started all, who is brave enough to stand up. And I'll tell you, all the young dudes really like you, Andy. The young dudes, the 20-something guys, and you know why? Oh, so not us. Not you guys, you're too old. But you <laughs> know, it. I figured out why. They're all looking for people with substance yeah. and integrity that are willing to risk it all and stand up for what's right. Yeah. They don't have a lot of heroes to look up to. There sure aren't, and the ones that they do have are demonized on a regular basis. Correct, and Andy is an, a wonderful example for the younger generation that when you believe in something, even if you are the only one who knows it, have the courage to stand up and tell the truth. Yeah. I don't know where we would be if you didn't do that. We would be so much further behind in our discovery and our understanding of the problem that we're in. So, team1986, team1986.com, and then you can also go to 1986, 1986theact.com, 
and you can stream the latest film that reveals beautifully it's it's caged in a story about a husband and wife that finally find out they're expecting and she goes down the rabbit hole to do her homework and she brings her husband along with her and us in the process to help us understand how did the pharmaceutical industry get such a blank check yeah, yeah. I, I can tell you one thing I'm, I'm 100% sure of. You are going to get a lot of traffic from our listenership. Yeah, definitely. So just based well, off of our social media, that's one of the hot topics that they absolutely love and are talking about and asking us to bring awareness on and do research on constantly. Cool. Thank you, guys. Really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and, thanks. Man. Andy right. Wakefield, Lori Gregory, thanks for stopping by today. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right. We got another guest stopping by our booth here at the... Uh, Reawaken America tour, and uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is uh, Dr. G- Dr. Gershom Sekala. I'm a pastor of His Presence Fire Ministry. Um, we are, leco- we are leco- lo- located in uh, Grandel, California, and we we also have a mentorship program for um, for celebrities and upcoming actors. It, basically for God's principles and I also have a monthly mentorship where I teach about uh, growing, uh, how to grow rich uh, by following God's principles and I've been working with a lot of entrepreneurs but apart from that I, I've traveled all around the world, I've been almost to every continent in the world, praise wow. God for that um, been in crusades and thousands of people and uh, I just love people um, I'm intentional to just help people and uh, to find value in themselves. And one of the first value I want them to find is to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. Right, very important. Yeah. Then the second value I want them to know is that they have a potential to influence and influence the world. The third thing they, they have to know is that they're actually leaders. There's a leader inside them. and. So there's certain things that I help people overcome insecurities uh, of, you know, bringing God's confidence in them, uh, knowing that they are not this, they are not on earth for, for nothing. They there is something they can do. That's why I love what you're doing, you guys, and I'm glad that uh, I am on your podcast because it's that action that you do. You know, there's three things that I, I emphasize to our church especially the people I mentor, you have desires, you have belief system, you also have decision making every day. Now, you find that sometimes people don't go through, don't go after their dreams, and sometimes they think, uh, you know, you're talking about the steak for breakfast. I'll I'll be just on a conference in Ohio called the, in, in Hawaii, in, uh, in September, we'll be talking about creativity. I said, you can be creative in your cooking. It's also uh, an invention for cooking. Right. People just think it's just technology or different things. The, God has created you to be inventive. God created you to bring a difference. There's something you can create to change the world. I really believe that one of the most important part is that when people disconnect themselves from God, they also disconnect themselves from their purpose. They also disconnect themselves from their potential, God-given potential. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He activates you to even do greater things. Jesus said you do greater things. Some of these greater things is to start companies that will bring 
uh, change, to start organization that will bring change, or to invent a technology that will bring change. And uh, most of these problems that we have of uh, uh, homelessness and poverty and disease, they can be solved if people commit themselves to the Lord and they ask for that answer. They, they just desire to have it. Then the belief system, the second one is the belief system. Most sometimes belief system is how we were raised, how you are raised, uh, who are your teachers, your parents, this influence you. They can either champion you to become greater or lesser. So I always deal with those um, belief systems to help the people to have the right believing. When they have the right believing, they'll make the right, the right decision. Uh, and you know, one thing that is very powerful on earth, it's called faith. Yeah. And faith comes from the healing and healing the Word of God. So if you don't have the Word of God, you will only have brief system, belief systems that from your parents and from different places that can actually stop your potential, can stop you from becoming who God created you. But faith can make you overcome all those limitations and to the place of possibilities and making a difference. Then the other thing that is so powerful and very important, it's decision making. Every day we face millions of decision making. One decision one must make is to make Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then another decision you should make, you should make a decision to become successful. And the, when I talk about success, I'm talking about the ability to give back, right. the ability to bring value to people. Every day when you walk up, you ask yourself, how can I add value to somebody's house, somebody's life? How, be intentional to be kind. Be, live a life of intentional every day. Ask the Lord to come into your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. And, and if you don't have a job, there is a job. There is a, a, an invention inside you. There's something you've been ignoring. Now, the reason why you have been ignoring because of fear. Now, the Spirit of God brings that boldness. Like I had a, a privilege in my life years ago to invent it. With my team, we invented a bike, bamboo bike made out of bamboo and it made it in all the best magazines and uh, CNN right now if you look up CNN Zambikes mm -hmm. CNN News or you go my name Gershom Sikala CNN News you will see the invention of the bike and people said how did you invent this it is created when the presence of God comes upon you right. because because in the presence of God is a place of creation the presence of God is not just for fun there, there is that place of fun but the presence of God means business to improve people lives to change the nation to change nations to change families there is something in the presence of God that that's why the enemy the evil one does not want you to connect yourself to the Holy Spirit or to Jesus because you can become unstoppable right you know, it's definitely a huge component looking to kind of seek that vision and purpose that you get when you kind of open up or even reconnect to a more spiritual life and, and, and seeking and following the Lord. Um, are a lot of the things you talk about now uh, kind of outlined in this book you brought? It's called Keys to His Presence? Yes. And uh, tell us a little bit more about it. Um, I just came from speaking engagement. I was in San Francisco okay. speaking. I had such a powerful time there. Then 
then I was so tired I went into my jacuzzi <laughs> you know one of those things <laughs> so then while I'm in the jacuzzi I felt this peace I felt this joy then then I said wow I supposed to be tired but I'm happy I supposed to be like you know miserable like oh I'm so tired and all that we drove from San Francisco to LA different things but I was so happy and and energized then I heard a voice inside me you know you feel this all the time not not everyone feels this no not all the church people feels this or or if people would feel this I want you to teach my people to experience this peace this joy that's my presence that's how I started writing this book it, it leads you to the person of the presence which is Jesus and the Holy Spirit which is one thing then you when you begin to experience I teach how to activate a relationship with God that can cause you to feel that person that you have relationship with, that is Jesus. And now, when you don't just feel Him, but you walk with Him, right. and He's daily involved in your daily decision, and as a result, you become unstoppable. You become a creative person. That's how come I've written 16 books, and one of the latest book is actually number one bestseller on Amazon called Look at God. By oh. Dr. Gershom Sikala, and uh, uh, the number one might not be there right now, but uh, the, it's still the top Sarah right. to add number one. You know, you only become number one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then afterwards, yeah. So it's uh, thousands and thousands of people have been receiving hope, love, courage, because I believe that people need some good steak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, steak is I love. I love steaks. We try to give them good steak every week. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's. I love it. I, you know, because I'm not I'm just old, for breakfast. Not just for breakfast, yeah. because you know, steak is actually stronger for people that are active. It's it's a it's a very good meal. Mm -hmm. You need it because that's how I've written 16 books. I always have filet mignon. Believe it me, believe it or not. Yeah. I just I had filet mignon yesterday, yeah. and I'm gonna have one today. Perfect. We need the right steak <laughs> for life, for right living. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like what you're saying. I, I love your message. You seem like you have a lot of energy, and and you're definitely uh, doing the right thing by trying to lead anyone who wants to open themselves up a little bit down that right path and see how much God will, will light that road for them as they continue down it. Can you do me a favor before we let you go? Can you let our listeners know where they can find either a website, social media, your books, or whatever? Gershom Sikala page on Facebook. Um, I'm sure he will help you spell that. Yeah, we're going to link everything for you. And uh, Gershom Sikala underscore Sikara on Instagram. On Twitter, Grant, on Twitter, on Twitter is Dr. Gershom Sekala. On LinkedIn as well, Dr. Gershom Sekala, because I'm a doctor of philosophy and humanity. I just love that. I love helping people. That's why I became a doctor. Nice. Um, so everything on Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, just go. Just look up for Gershom Sekala. And okay. we'll find you. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Find and we'll, we'll link that in our story. And then, uh, Dr. Gershom Sikala, thank you for coming down and chatting with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you for having me, and uh, I love you guys. Uh, I'll stop by again for a steak for... A filet mignon? There we go. Filet mignon. There you Boom. go. God bless you. Thanks, thank sir. You. Thank you. Thanks.
coming back on the show, first time since April, this time in person. One of the, uh, I guess we could call them fittest patriots out there. <laughs> yeah. So just so our listening audience no knows before I introduce, right, he, he is that huge in real life. So yeah. many people have asked me if we were going to get a chance to talk to you, and then I said, I will definitely gauge it. He is quite a masterpiece. Ian Smith, Ian Smith Fitness. Um, welcome back to Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. So last time we had you on, uh, it was early April. You guys were still kind of in the midst of lockdowns. You had just participated in CPAC. What has been going on since then? Uh, we have a day-to-day grind. You know, we, we open up our gym every day, and, and because of the situation that we're in, um, we don't charge our members, uh, but we, we have a fully functioning gym that is basically a free rec center and, and an apparel store. So we have a lot going on just on the day-to-day operation of the business. Um, we've been in court, and we're always in court for something. We have about five different avenues that we're fighting on. We have legal front, uh, excuse me, the criminal front. We have um, nine criminal charges that we're currently fighting. They're trying to lock us up. It's not likely it's going to happen. That's more of something that's designed just to bleed us dry financially. Um, so we're handling that. You know, we have 80 municipal citations. So we're, we're handling that. Wow. Um, we have an appeals process for those fines that we were being levied against those $15,497.76 per day to the tune of several hundred thousand, if not a million dollars. Um, so we're finally out of that, that court that was just screwing us over. Um, Judge Robert Lugie is his name. He's, a, a, he's been a very good boy. He got his promotion and his tenure this year. Uh, for listening. Lugie. Yeah, Governor Lugie. I mean, uh, Judge Lugie, yeah. Um, so we're out of his court. That was the, the thing that was really just crushing us. We were stuck in the state courts in front of this guy. And honestly, there wasn't a lawyer in the country who probably could have won in his courtroom. Right. The, the last thing he said in our last hearing, uh, our attorney put forth a, a, an argument that it was unconstitutional. He said, if you're here with a constitutional argument, you are in the wrong place. Wow. Um, That's a bold move. <laughs> yeah. Pro gamer move there. Yeah. And the fact that he just he just said it so nonchalantly, like like he didn't just say something that was totally crazy, outlandish. Yeah, he was just like, yeah, no, this is the wrong spot for that. Wow. Um, so we're done with him. We can get into the appeals process. That's where we're at with that. He was just basically like, yeah, we don't do that here. Yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, we don't honor the Constitution. In when this you go court. to court, do you wear what you're wearing now, or do you wear a suit? No, we, we, we wear this. We wear T-shirts. Fantastic. Yeah. Hat backwards, everything. Yeah. They get, you know, honestly, I don't have any respect for these people. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Don't just, just for our listeners, uh, Ian's wearing a very form-fitting T-shirt and gym shorts <laughs> and a backwards ball cap. So which con- court, which consequently, Noah and I both wish we did wear today. Yeah, I am really it is, hot. It is very hot. Yeah. Now. I'm, I'm chugging these little eight-ounce waters like they're, like they're shots. So, have, you, have you run into the uh, try to get into the bathroom scenario? I've yet to find it. Yeah. So it's right I'm on like the other a, side. I'm like a walking water balloon at this point. You just have to dodge all the interviews that are blocking the hallways. <laughs> we, have a, we have an interesting setup here. Today. Yeah. It's good, though. It works. <laughs> Speaking of setups, Clay Clark, the Reawaken America Tour, how did you get connected with this? And now that you're on board, how do you feel being a part of it? Um, well, I did Clay Clark's podcast okay. at, at some point. You know, I, I said yes to every media interview there was because media media has been our friend through all of this and and less the mainstream than than podcasts and and you know your your things like the epic times and stuff like that so i just said yes to his podcast and i did it and he um he wound up messaging me you know before tulsa 
And it's funny because I didn't really know what he was planning. And he kept talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm like, dude, I can't go to Tulsa. Like, I... <laughs> I have a gym to run. I'm I'm fighting for my life, and he just kept like, "You gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta come." And I was like, "All right, you know, I'll come." And I was absolutely blown away by the just the size of these things. Yeah. You know, I, I walked up to that church and I was like, "Cause he said it was at a church," and I, I wasn't thinking like mega church. I was thinking yeah. like, you know, the one down the street from my house. Yeah, right. um, like the old brick building. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like not these these huge huge buildings. Uh, and I was just. I was just blown away by just the pure size of this whole thing. You know, he's got thousands of people and he's selling these things out. And it was for somebody, especially like Frank and I, who have been just battle weary at this point. It was so energizing because it was like reminiscent of like the Trump rallies, but more informational and more impactful than just like going and rah, rah, rah for Trump. Um, you know, you, you come to these things and you see a ton of people who feel exactly like you do. And it's, it's a reminder because I think everybody got like the wind knocked out of them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, come come November, December, January, everybody was we had such momentum. And then all this craziness happened and we were like, oh, oh, we lost. Oh, yeah. Like. You know, and there's nothing we can do about it because, well, now Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris are, are whatever you want to call them. Mm. So when I when I came to the one in Tulsa, it was it re-energized me in a way that's really hard to describe. Yeah. And, um, and every single one has been like that. And I'm just blown away by the fact that he can pull these off and he pulls them off so well. There's so many moving parts. There's so many people involved. But it's a place where you can come and you can you can feel that you're not just alone, you know, because that's that's the thing that they've done really well is they've made it seem like you're the outlier yeah. Be yeah, because you like freedom and the Constitution, you know, because they've they've silenced all these voices. You know, they, they silence people who are pro freedom and, you know, just cons whatever you call them conservatives, the new right, whatever. And at the same time, they've magnified these voices of divisiveness and hatred and anti American just nonsense so that it seems as if, you know, a lot of people feel like they're the only person who feels like that. Yeah. No. Um, and you come here and you're like, oh, wait, no, no, yeah. that's not the case at all. Because but that's the point. They're trying to keep people just segregated, basically. Yeah. And they did a very good job at it. Yeah. The, the lockdowns didn't help, and, uh, you know, moving forward, we're going to have to see uh, just how big the boomerang swings back around. Now, I, I know you mentioned uh, some of the stuff on the election. It's one of the things we cover bigly on our show. How do you feel now with the audits going on and stuff like that, the possibility of things, maybe not necessarily changing, but moving forward being better? I think that we are at a, at a turning point, really. I mean... I've had uh, close contact with Josh Barnett, who was one of the people that spearheaded the audit in Arizona. And, uh, and everything he says is everything that everybody already knew. Uh, you know, when I, when I texted him and asked him how it was going, he said, we found everything we thought we would and so much more. Yeah. Um, and you can tell the media's reaction to it because at first they tried to ignore it and then it picked up momentum and then it started happening and then they started to villainize it. Um, and they villainize it and they've, they've tried to slander it and they have, I think they had at one point 90 some Democratic lawyers throwing lawsuits at it, trying yeah. to slow it down. And it's all, it's all right on, on cue with what we've known. There, yeah. there was something very wrong with the election. Yeah. Um, but now it's to the point where Joe Biden has had to address it. Yeah. And that, if that's not a sign that something 
is is big. I mean, it, they didn't even acknowledge it until recently. Yeah, yeah. When Joe Biden goes to a place that he campaigned in to basically lose, he went to Pennsylvania right before the election twice in the last week and told everybody, we're shutting down the energy sector, I'm taking your jobs, you're going to learn how to code and build solar panels. And then they say he won that state. And seven months later, he's back there trying to legitimize his illegitimate presidency. It's just so interesting how it's bled back into the mainstream narrative. Yeah, because they, they just can't ignore it any longer. So, you know, Arizona's going to fall. Yep. Um, Georgia's on its way. It's a mess there. Pennsylvania has already sort of greenlit it. Yeah, they have but they have till July 31st to turn it over or subpoenas. Yeah, and, and it's a slow process, and they'll try to, they'll try to drag it out as long as they can. Um, Wisconsin but, filed yesterday. Exactly. So you know, these dominoes are starting to fall. There's already affidavits being signed in New Jersey and other places around the country. And, you know, what what happens then? I don't, I don't know. I mean, what? Uncharted waters. And I, I'm you just, just took the words excited. out of my mouth. I'm super excited for when the media has to just eat crow and be like, well, maybe it wasn't unfounded. And <laughs> maybe it wasn't the safest and, and most secure election in the history of the world. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they will. They no. will, and but but they'll find a way to spin that too. Yeah, kicking and screaming. Yeah, they'll they'll admit that they're wrong, but at the same Ish. time they'll. Ma- but they'll you're <laughs> still, but you're still white nationalist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think that's the. This is the most important thing, yeah. out of any of the issues we're facing, is the integrity of our elections. Because I don't think 2020 was the first time something like oh, this happened. Not. No, I think this was the boldest that they've ever been. Well, it was the it was the first time that they've had to go just Big. over the top. Big. And and well, I what, what do you mean shut down four states in the middle of the night yeah. <laughs> with Trump <laughs> having insurmountable leads? Fake water it was, breaks. A, it was a water main break. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, but that's the thing. It's like. They, the first time, they didn't think there was any chance he was going to win. So they're like, yeah, you know, we'll throw a couple in here and there. But this time, it was just they went full bore. And the, and I think the reason why it went so over the top is because not only do you have the people that are doing their coordinated attack on the election, you also have all the other people that are just trying to do their part. So yeah. and the slop and they're being sloppy, so they're the stuff that's going to get caught but, more. But we are seeing, especially in these swing states that are either in an audit or moving to audits, there is a big vibe, huge, of, huge, huge vibe <laughs> of turning on the lights and the rats and the roaches just running in every direction. Oh, because yeah. they're all. I mean, the w- the Georgia Secretary of State yeah. didn't he say something about these these uh, these election officials should be fired? Yes. And it's like, dude, you co-signed <laughs> this shit, man. What do you? That's awkward. Fire yourself. Yeah, I hope. Um, I, I hope Brad Raffensperger goes to jail. But what what's really good is that hopefully, no matter what happens with this, moving forward we can have some real elections. Because I, places like New Jersey and places like California that have been these deep blue, I don't think there is deep blue no. as as we've no. we've thought they've been for years and years and years. Because you can't tell me that California is a deep blue state with all of the activity leading up to the election. They're still Nobody, having boat rallies exactly, now. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that was that was part of I think the error in this their, their attempt to to steal this election is they had to overcompensate so much because there was so much energy for the Trump movement and yeah. for the the whatever you want to call it the new right yeah. this pro America movement that they they just had to like 
they had to throw 30,000 there are 30 million votes in there to, to even like even it out yeah and and because of that it just it like blew their system yeah well, it was it was too much it was too much for it to look reasonable it exactly yeah. you know when you have record I, I don't even remember the numbers but the record turnout of voters you have counties with a hundred percent voting 120 percent <laughs> which voting. is yeah. which is yeah I mean that, that's even more ridiculous but a hundred percent a hundred percent that's not believable it's not yeah, yeah like it's just not believable at all like it's not even close yeah you're telling me that Barack Obama before Donald Trump was like the biggest inspirational movement in the history of presidential politics pre-Trump yeah. and that Joe Biden skunked him by like 24,000 or 24 million votes come on I mean the, the guy can't even figure out what flavor of ice cream he likes no it's chocolate know? chip chocolate chocolate chip chocolate chip I, 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 don't, I don't like cherries uh, they, oh that's right they reported very heavily on that <laughs> yeah. I should know that one so I think one of the biggest things, we were so excited to have you back. We knew you would be here. I reached out to you. Um, getting you on the show to talk about politics and, and talk about what's going on with you and all your legal cases is awesome. But I think one of the biggest things for our community is supporting each other. So before we let you go, can you please tell, I mean, I know you have, like, you're, you're sending out the shirts. You, you, you have, like, anything that's going on, websites, Instagram. You, just let our listeners know so they can get out there, do a little bit more research on what you got going on, and then support you and what you're doing for us. Absolutely. So you can find a lot of information on what we're doing at theattilisgym.com. That's T-H-E-A-T-I-L-I-S.com. Um, that's got our, our merchandise store. It's got our, our legal GoFundMe. You can help out like that. People have been really helping. Um, yeah, actually, how are you guys doing that on the fees? Like people are we just, contributing as much as they can, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, people... Still people, free. People yeah. contribute however they want. They'll buy a water bottle and pay five bucks for it. Awesome. Yeah. They've got a, a T-shirt for every every different color for two weeks worth of them. Nice. They've got hats and we've I sent jump in on that. Yeah. We've sent yeah. T-shirts to all fifty states hundreds of times over. We've sent T-shirts to seventeen countries around the world. Yeah, we nice. see, I, see, I see your um, Instagram stories all the time. You just filling up trucks full of boxes and stuff. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful thing. Um, nice. We're actually having a big event on August fourteenth. It's called Veterans Outreach Workout. Uh, our goal for the day is we're going to be raising $100,000 for three different veteran charities. So if you're, uh, if you're interested, we're going to have a whole bunch of fitness professionals from around the industry. We're going to have some notable veterans there. Uh, we'll have vendors. It's like a big fitness expo, workout. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Um, but as you, that's, as that's you our promote big goal. that, yeah, we'll, we'll be pumping that hard on our social media when yeah, you get that out. That's, that's a big big goal of ours because people have been so generous to us um, and really helped us out. And, you know, a lot of times veterans sort of get left in the, in the wind. And we have a gym full of full of veterans, and we're, we're very thankful for what they do, especially right now. You know, these guys are under a lot of pressure um, with, with everything that's happening with this, with this vaccination nonsense. Yeah. And we just want to help out. So that's 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 our way of giving back. Um, so that's going to be a big event. That's kind of what we're focused on. And other than that, we just fight our legal battles, and we, yeah. we, we open our damn gym every day. Yeah, nice. that's awesome. You're making a huge difference. Patriot movement, it, like you said, the reinvention or, or the new conservative Republican Party, what it is right now. And I don't know about Noah. I, I think he's in agreement, but we're glad to have you on board. Yeah, for sure. So Absolutely. I wish there was a satellite gym in San Diego so I could go to it. <laughs> Maybe once this is over. There you yeah. go. Well, once California goes red again. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Wait. Again? Right. Again. <laughs> I called it. Ian Smith, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank thanks, you man. so much, guys. All right, let's welcome to the show right now uh, Dr. Leon Benjamin, pastor. Welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, an exciting time that's going on right now and uh, all around the nation. So we're, we're here and... 
California, I call it Clay's Closet. So, yep. <laughs> sure is. It's, 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 it's beautiful, you know. We're making a difference, so I'm, I'm glad to be here. Nice. Where, where are you located out of right now? We are in Virginia. So we're located in Richmond, Virginia, New Life Harvest Church. It's a church in Richmond, Virginia, but we're also... Uh, now started passing a church in Jenks, Oklahoma, called the Remnant Church. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, what made you feel compelled to come on the reawakening tour with Clay? We've all had an opportunity to talk with him and kind of interact with him and get his energy and his vibe, what he wants to do for the country and stuff like that. What was it that you personally felt called to to jump on board with something as amazing as uh, this event that's going on right now? Well, first and foremost, to, to bring glory to God, to bring the message of hope, which is in Jesus Christ, but then also to bring the validity of the truth uh, that America right now needs when it concerns the issues, uh, our health, of course. This is a health and freedom conference, so uh, dealing with the COVID-19, uh, we need the truth. We got to bring hope, but you can't bring hope if people can't see anything, so yeah. you, you need truth so that to open up the eyes and the minds and the understanding of men and women. Uh, that's the first and foremost thing. Right. Um, so bringing glory to God and bringing the truth, but then seeing the, uh, the, the people now start to get involved. We're seeing things locally now happen as I've been traveling with the, the, with the tour. People locally now want to say, hey, what do yes. I do? Yeah. <laughs> tell me what, tell yeah, me what to do. Touching right. people's hearts. Yeah, yeah. Touching people's hearts. And when you touch people's hearts, they start to move. Yeah, no, it's... it's you know, breaking and breaking the hardness of people's hearts. You and know? My, my wife, Maria, yeah. bo both of us <laughs> Oh, understand. thank you for introducing her. Yeah, I know. Look, Maria, <laughs> my, my, wife, my, my wife and I are like Batman and Robin. So we're seeing this partnership. Me and Clay are like two brothers of a different mother. You know what I mean? So we, 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 we are... Uh, working together to bring about the same purpose and uh, we're coming from different different angles you know but the same purpose mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the great things we're seeing now the dynamics the diversity but yet the unity because what why be diverse and and break everything up but the the, the true unity is really coming coming through so and I love you know clay clay is a little bit crazy like me so we, we, we got a lot of things in common. You guys are both very high energy. I like it. <laughs> I tell you what, we had, we, had, we had a lot of fun when, when Clay came on our podcast, and now we're having a good time with you right here. Um, I, I think some of the points you made are, are, are pretty remarkable, that getting people together, waking them up, like you said, showing them the path to Jesus, unhardening their hearts. For so long, probably five-plus years now, there's been such a demonization of... You know, the conservative religious uh, portion of America, the, you know, nuclear family and, and that maybe not even being an okay thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff that's going on with the like education system in regards to indoctrinating children to not be able to be together or grow together because they're being taught to hate each other from a young age. And then it goes all the way up through politics. You had stuff with the election, you had stuff with the vaccine. Um, the way the country was locked down and I really feel like an event like this and including people like you um, Who seem to have so much energy and such big hearts and to be in tune with the Lord to kind of be directing people back Not necessarily just for that though, but to kind of show them We were talking about it with a different pastor that we had on earlier kind of like when you allow God to come into your life and Show you the road as you continue to walk down it with him 
that path gets more light, more light, more light. Then you see your purpose, you see your calling, yeah. and then you start to bring other people in with you. And I just think that's an amazing experience. One of the things, you know, we're experiencing interacting with everybody here today. Yeah. So I, I think the whole thing is we have made. Uh, instead of making ourselves human, mm -hmm. we have taken on a role of religion, which means you can put on a mask and you, and you don't have to be the real person. You don't have to be, you know, that unique, uh, according to the scriptures, uh, he says, we are fearlessly and wonderfully made. It is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. What the enemy has done is made us to hate each We don't like to see the work complete in our eyes for you or for you or for me or for her. So we start to despise the work, which is the actual praise of his glory to see the work going on in you. I should be like, hey, yes, come on, man. Celebrate. Look what the Lord is doing. It's true. You but know? True. But Leon, that's not religion. I know. That's we like gotta get away true from relationship with Christ. When you're not jealous and, you, and there's no competition, and you're seeing people from all walks of life, their hearts are opening up yeah. to Jesus. That is, that is like religion out the, because religion kills people. One, one thing yeah. Clay always says, right? He said, hey, did you know that Leon is black? <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm white, and see, we're supposed to be hating each other, right? right? Yeah. Wait, you know, he's black. I had no idea. Wait, <laughs> see that when I was I was in the military, and when I was overseas, they didn't call me black. They called me an American. Yeah. They called me American or Christian. He said, "You Christians." And I wasn't even saved, but I was like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I got saved, though, but the time he said it, I wasn't saved. So he called me a Christian because he assumed all Americans are Christians. Right, right. Isn't that something? Yeah. No, I mean, and, and look at it now, like where we're being taught to not love each other, to not see each other, mm -hmm. to just hate each other for no reason other than because people who have power or think they do are, are trying to convince, you know, the people who are easily manipulated or just don't want to be bothered with breaking out of their little mold or comfort zone, that that's the way to go. Um, I, I really feel like, uh, you know, what you guys are doing is awesome. And I really feel that, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I'm sad that it took so long for it to get here to where there's like events like this on a more consistent basis where it's like a mixture of like all different kinds of patriots and all different kinds of you know spiritual people and 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 you know people that are really into like health and things like that all coming together and kind of getting out there and getting the real truth out there but um one thing I definitely want to do is do you guys have online resources um, or even people who are because you know we're broadcast internationally yes. people that are regional to either your new church in Oklahoma or the one you guys have back home in Virginia can you guys direct all of our traffic you know with websites yes. or yes. social media handles drop them for us yes they can go to our website at newlifeharvestchurch.org um, right there um, we are putting out our we got a book that we're writing so we've been putting out a book about healthy relationships, That's marriage. Nice. Yeah, and um, and then there's some things we're doing, of course, with our with our youth. Um, we we got to encourage our youth to, so to, to get back in the Lord. So we we are putting these things on our website. Um, youth conference calls. We have men's calls. My wife has what is called a woman of power call. Mm -hmm. So bringing relationships with women again back back into its rightful place, you know, um, and and men. And so they can go to our website, New Life Harvest Church dot org newlifeharvestchurch.org and they can also get on our sms text if they want to know i text different things they can text uh the word remnant to nine four two five three 
So they can text the word REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, to the number 94253. And we're just um, putting things out there, uh, resources and helps and things like that. Nice. Yeah, we're definitely going to – we'll link all of your information on our podcast episodes when we produce it uh, after the weekend. Yes. And then hopefully you'll see some more traffic from our end. Uh, Dr. Leon Benjamin and his lovely wife, Maria. Maria. Thank you so much for stopping by. Stay nice for breakfast. You guys. All right. God bless you. Thank, Thank you. you. Dr. Richard Barkley, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. How are you doing today, sir? I love steak. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. Um what brings you to Clay Clark's Reawaken America tour? So my name is Dr. Richard Bartlett, and in March of 2020, I had a strategy to treat COVID that was working as an ER doctor. Okay. And it was using an inhaled steroid called budesonide, an antibiotic called clarithromycin, and an aspirin. And uh, people started were living and not dying, and so. I was excited about that, and I thought other people would be excited about it too, and started doing some interviews, and um, got pushback almost immediately from uh, Anthony Fauci. Imagine that. Uh, recruiting an A-list actor, Matthew McConaughey, to do a hit job on the internet, yep. um, saying, it's just a placebo, Matthew. And uh, then Tedros from the World Health Organization and uh, other uh, health, uh, other uh, medical experts and news uh, outlets Ex- around the world. Yeah, experts. all were using the same wording with the same cadence as a message to shoot it down. But you know what? People were living and I would not shut up. And so uh, that led to one anonymous complaint after another from hospitals and doctors uh, mm-hmm. against my license to the medical board. They kept getting dismissed because they were frivolous. Yeah. And people were living. And finally, Oxford University did the STOIC trial, which is a randomized controlled trial, that they had to stop early because it was overwhelmingly successful using inhaled budesonide against COVID. They decided, when they looked at the results, 90% of hospitalizations could be prevented for COVID patients. Think about that when your listeners are hearing the latest scare tactics about Delta strain Mm -hmm. causing the hospitals to be overwhelmed. Hey, tell them about budesonide. Oxford University did the STOIC trial, and they also did a second one called the PRINCIPAL trial with elderly people showing overwhelming success using just one medicine, inhaled budesonide against COVID. What? Uh, I, you know, Fauci hasn't ret- done a retraction yet. He hasn't corrected that mm. uh, to the public or to the doctors, and the CDC hasn't approved it. That shows how efficient they are. So they, you said they stopped the study? They stopped it because they thought it was unethical. And it really is unethical when you have overwhelming success with the medicine not to give it to the people getting placebos. Right. Oh, okay. If someone has COVID, you don't want them to die once you have something that could help them. So yeah. Oxford University said, we can't let the, these people, poor people die because they're in the study. Mm-hmm. We found something that works. 90% of hospital visits. You remember the hospitals were overwhelmed? That was back when I broke this news that went worldwide. We did an interview that had five million views and in two weeks, and YouTube pulled it saying it was dangerous. Mm, of course they Dangerous did. to the virus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dangerous to a agenda. Dangerous to uh, a vaccine-only plan. Because, you know, my understanding is you can't get emergency use authorization if you already have an effective treatment. And so 
that would that might be a, a, a an issue here. Yeah, a little yes. speed bump probably for the uh, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, you know, here here's something. Um, this this medicine's made by pharmaceutical companies, but uh, no one's going to get rich off of it. It's three dollars a treatment. Oh, that's probably and, why. And it's at home. Yeah, you don't have to be in the hospital to use it. Hmm. As a matter of fact. It's been used, it's been FDA approved for 25 years. It's used on two pound preemie babies in the NICU safely for 25 years. You've never seen it in the news because it's not a problem. It's mm-hmm. very safe. And then it's very inexpensive and it's at every pharmacy on every corner in the United States. It's in every hospital in the United States. So why? So is this not a prescription item? It's it, a it is over a, the counter? It's okay. prescription. But yeah. easily accessible. Yeah. So interesting you would ask because Budesonide no spray mm-hmm. is over the counter. Yeah, the same medicine for a breathing machine is not. And so I told some congressmen and senators, you need to tell the president, and you guys need to make it over the counter for the nebulizer treatment. That would stop mm-hmm. the pandemic. Well, apparently, according to Oxford, if you shut down 90% of hospital visits, hospitalizations, ER visits, and even urgent care visits, that's a very low bar with this, that would have shut the pandemic down real quick. Yeah. But they haven't made it over the counter for the nebulizer machine yet. But doctors can prescribe that. There's no reason they shouldn't. The stoic trial, the, the principal trial, it's proven. They have evidence. Interesting fact, even in the hospital, not only does this treat early COVID, but we've had patients, uh, I had a husband call me and say, my wife's in the hospital on the ventilator on 100% oxygen and she's on high pressure on the ventilator, PIPA 16, and her oxygen saturation is only 80%. She's, and the hospital mm-hmm. has called me three times wanting a hospice order, saying they've done everything. And I told them, no, can you please help me? And I told him about budesonide. He pushed back and the doctors prescribed budesonide nebulizer treatments and she was off the ventilator in one week. Wow, wow. She was home in two weeks. She just is celebrating her 17th grandson's birthday today. And to make it more interesting, at 12 years old, she was caught in a house fire. And so for the last 40 years, she's needed supplemental oxygen at home on and off because she has bad lungs. Mm. So if it helped her, as long as your loved one is breathing, even if that loved one's in the hospital, there's still hope. So these doctors that were treating that particular patient, would you say that that treatment has opened their eyes to that? Oh, here's what it did. They were angry. And so I got another anonymous complaint to the medical board um, and uh, you know what it got dismissed as frivolous as well but it was actually apparently a stack of doctors turning in anonymous complaints just angry why are they angry people are living and not dying don't they want uh, people to know about a medicine that could rescue their loved one yeah, isn't that one of the things do no harm yes first do no harm but I think they're doing harm when you, when you give up on the patient, yeah. I, I thought the doctors weren't supposed to give up on the patients. Uh, there's there's, there's going to be a lot of doctors getting... Here's, here's an interesting fact on that patient. It only took them four days to, to give up on her. She'd only been in the hospital for four days. It's terrible. And, yes, and she was in, she's in her 50s. She has a lot of life ahead of her, and she has every reason to live. Why would we knock her off? You know, I, I, I just don't have an explanation for... Uh, obstruction of putting obstacles between patients and their life-saving medicines, but that's happening in the United States. Oh, besides keeping the numbers up to keep the fear. Well, they're having a hard time doing that. They because sure are. Let me tell you, I'm from Texas. 33 million people. In the height of the pandemic, we had 700 die in one day. 
now is about 20 dying a day. We're talking about 33 million people, Houston, DFW, Austin, El Paso, huge cities, San Antonio, only 20. There's more people dying from a lot of other things. At this point, it's not the pandemic it was in mid-January. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you about the pandemic has fizzled. And, and uh, another evidence is 36,000 new cases in one day in January in Texas. And then it just fell off a cliff. The numbers have been down to like 2,000 a day of new cases. That doesn't mean they're going to die. That's no. just positives out of all of Dallas, Houston. So the pandemic has fizzled. It's because of uh, herd immunity from early treatment and people surviving. It's not from the shot. The sh only 7% of Texans had, had the shot at that point. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't explain it. So what would explain it, Dr. Fauci? I think uh, maybe it's early treatment and people surviving. And by the way, Rand Paul is right. And yeah. Fauci was apparently wrong. Fauci said, you only have protection for three months. You just got protection for three months if you recover from COVID. You better get the shot. Oh, really? Washington University School of Medicine has been drawing blood on people who had mild cases of COVID, and they have proven that you have high levels of antibodies for going on 12 months of testing now. And it's going to end up being for 10 years at least, because we have an immune system, and part of the immune system is memory cells. Yeah, they, they learn, live they 10 learn. years. Oh, spoiler alert, I'm one of those people. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. So, oh, um, hey. I guess it doesn't kill everybody. Well, I know I'm alive. Noah? Uh, yeah, I think I'm alive. <laughs> Dr. Bartlett, are you alive? Currently? He's checking his pulse right now. He is uh, a doctor. I'm still yeah. here. All right, here's the thing. Um, you, you did allude to it, and it's one of the things we talk about on the show. We, we have our own theories, but we also are open to and like to get everybody's opinion. The big worldwide scheme right now, they have to get all of these people injected with vaccines. What is the play behind it, in your opinion only? Well, in my opinion, here's, here's facts. It costs, somebody's making money off of it. Yep. And uh, if you have a, uh, you know, there's, n there's no valid reason to give children a shot that could cause them to have a chance of dying 50 times more likely if yeah. they get the shot. I was just having that conversation there, with somebody. There's yeah. no valid reason to give children a, disease, uh, a shot that could cause myocarditis, inflammation of the heart. And to say that they'll probably live, hey, with my kid, you're not going to get to talk that way. Give them a shot and say they'll probably live. I think they'd be better off without myocarditis. They'd be better off without a heart attack. They'd be better off without a stroke. They'll probably live if um, they get COVID, too. Yeah, and they'd be better off just living. And yeah. bottom line is uh, children have less ACE receptors in their lungs. That's the doorway for the virus to get into the body. Mm -hmm. And every year they have more and more ACE receptors till they're 24 years old. Did you know that? And that's the maximum and when you so, get to 24? Yeah, when you get to 24, you have an adult level of, uh, on the average, uh, adult level of ACE receptors. But children have very low levels of ACE receptors. Mm -hmm. And so... Why do children not uh, die from COVID? Why are they not super spreaders? It's because they don't have as many ACE receptors for the virus to get in and multiply. That makes sense. And you know what? Budesonide, inhaled budesonide down regulates your ACE receptors, makes you more protected like children. Mm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. But it also totally uh, shuts down the release of the cytokines and inflammatory chemicals from the lungs. This virus doesn't go to the kidneys and release inflammatory chemicals. It goes to the lung lining. Right. And so you, you use a targeted steroid that doesn't have the side effects that's safe on two-pound preemie babies because it doesn't get a blood level that's significant. And you shut down the release of the poisons that kill people. And you shut down, you downregulate their ACE receptors make, and give them more protection like children. And they live. 
Isn't that great? Sounds like a win. Yeah, sure does. But why are they pushing the shot? Um, that you know, that's not my agenda. Um, and I can't. I decided. I've said it a few times on interviews. I wouldn't want to get in Fauci's head. No. I wouldn't want to know what really he is thinking about, because apparently I don't know. Paycheck. He, he ought to. Somebody ought to check. Uh, do a neurologic exam on him because he's saying things that make no sense. It's very nonsensical. And and Rand Paul called it out. Said that's nonsensical. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things he has said has been dead wrong. And uh, this is his job and it's affecting everybody. Why are we still listening to him? Uh, when he said, don't wear a mask, it's not giving you the protection that you really think it is. He's talking to the American people. Then he says, wear a mask because it's a symbol we're in it together. And then he says, wear a mask. And then he says, wear two masks. And then he says, if you get the shot, you have to wear the mask. And then he says, if you get the shot, you don't have to wear a mask. And now they're starting to say in LA, if you get the shot, you better wear the mask. And so, but for him, he has not only flip-flopped, I mean, it's almost like he can't connect the thoughts. Yeah. Um, well, it's like a cult-like following. Like, people are getting Fauci tattoos. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. And, and we actually heard yesterday on, uh, we, were, we were listening to some audio over from the White House press secretary. Uh, when she was challenged on, on some of the contradictions that he made, she made a correlation that basically said, at this point, the current administration looks at the transmission of the virus coming from an animal to a human just as valid, evenly valid, as the virus or originating in the lab. Well, if that was true, why are they not putting masks on their dogs and cats? Because they showed <laughs> that dogs and cats can get coronavirus and get seen, COVID. I've seen that, though. And but they're not, they're not, L.A. Yeah. is not going to enact it today. They're not, there are dogs and cats on planes and they're not making them wear a mask. Yeah, right. Why aren't they making people wear masks, dogs wear the masks at the same time people are if they're getting COVID and they prove that they can get COVID? I don't think my dog would wear a mask. No, well, mine either. I think they got more do- common sense maybe than a lot of people <laughs> that are walking around. Uh, so your dog's smarter than a lot of people is basically what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, most likely. It's a pretty smart dog. Yeah. Um, Dr. Bartlett, one thing that we definitely want to talk about, do you have any social media, websites, have you written any books, anything that you want to kind well, of, or even information that you think yeah, is, is good? Uh, life-saving life saving information at budesonideworks.com. That's B-U-D-E-S-O-N-I-D-E works.com. There's a lot of hours of information that could save a life. And there's also a providers tab for telemedicine. And those are doctors that have volunteered to and they will uh, call it into your local pharmacy. Oh, so they'll do the prescription? Yeah. Nice. Over the phone to your pharmacy. That's awesome. And beyond that, if you've got a loved one in the hospital and the hospital's uh, not wanting to give uh, budesonide, you can ask for an ethics committee consult, mm-hmm. and that gets the hospital's attention. And then after that, then you tell them about the journal of Anast- uh, the Saudi Journal of Anesthesia article from 2017 showing that with ARDS, or acute lung injury um, from COVID, it, it, it stops. That was from 2017. That's at the NIH database where Fauci's from. Mm-hmm. So he can't say it's not real. Yeah, surprised, it it, surprised it hasn't been scrubbed yet. He probably, yeah. would, he probably would still say it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. What, what reality does he live in? I'm yeah. not sure. But uh, that article shows that nebulized budesonide for people on the ventilator improves their oxygen blood. It stops the swelling in the lungs, the edema. It stops the scarring in the lungs, and it stops. It shuts down off the release of the cytokines, the inflammatory chemicals. That, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, sounds like. And that explains great. why we're seeing people come home off the ventilator from the ICU over and over again that get it. But many doctors are and hospitals are still uh, uh, saying it's not CDC approved. 
and they are. Re- what what they would be are the de- downside of using they, it? Is there is there risk to using it? Well, it, it could kill. It could save a person's life. Yeah. yeah, and depending on your perspective, that might be a downside. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, like, if you use that, are there are there any risks involved that a doctor would not prescribe it? Like, n- no, not not when you look at the big picture of yeah. someone dying from COVID. Mm-hmm. There's really no valid reason. I've heard ridiculous things like it could cause thrush. Oh, you're worried about someone getting uh, oral candidiasis thrush, when, and you're willing to let them die uh, and refuse to give them medicine for that? You'd rather them die than get a, a, a thrush, a yeast infection in the mouth that's easily treated with a, a, a oral suspension that we give to kids. Yeah, I don't children. really know what that is exactly, but it sounds it's, uh, less bad than death. It's less bad than everything that COVID can cause. Yeah. And so there's no valid reason. It's kind of like a lot of things right now. There is no good answer, no good reason for a lot of things that are happening. Amazing. Well, we appreciate you coming by today. And uh, please continue to do what you're doing for all those families out there that really need something other than what the government is currently pushing on us, what Anthony Fauci is currently pushing on us Yeah, right you now. know what they were pushing was ventilators, late care only, uh, uh, social distancing, wearing a mask. How did that work? Uh, I mean, we had a year and a half of that. How was that working? Not very well. At all. You know, uh, they just, when they used that in China, it wasn't going well. When they brought it to Italy in one month, 30,000 deaths. And next it was France, 30,000 deaths in about about a month. And then Spain, 30,000 deaths. Then New York, 30,000 deaths almost immediately. It seems like that was a losing game plan. Yeah, not so good. Uh, And so they should, at some point you got to expect that they're going to say uncle. And acknowledge that they were wrong and go with a winning game plan. But I'm honored to be here. I love steak for breakfast. Um, Appreciate you guys spreading the truth. And we appreciate you actually working on the front lines, implementing it to, uh, you know, the nation because they need it right now. All right, Dr. uh, Richard Bartlett, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. Joining us now, Mr. Gene Ho. Welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, man, doing good. Doing good. So what brings you, I, I see you're wearing a speaker badge, to the uh, Clay Clark Reawaken America Tour? I was Donald Trump's personal campaign photographer for 2016. So I've uh, been on tour with uh, General Flynn and the, the little show here for a while. Nice. How's that experience been? Oh, my goodness. You know, this is the proof right here of what you see going on where America is coming together. And we thought this move, whole movement was over. We thought that after the election, or at least I thought, hey, this is done. It's not done. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point you, you made. And, and you see, we were actually talking about this morning when we were pulling in. It kind of looked like you were rolling up to a Trump rally. It's been like this all over the country. And, and it just gets more and more amazing every single one of these events that happen. Absolutely. What are some of the uh, issues that you take uh, that hit close to home for you right now as we're going around the country and, and you're doing these speaking events? You know what? The main thing is how is what we're doing or the the conservative movement doing compared to what the media says that we're doing. Mm-hmm. The media thinks like or, or acts like, hey, this whole thing is done. We're done. You're toast. Trump is toast. But it's not. No. It's not. And it's, it's actually getting stronger. And the thing is, we're out there telling people and they don't want that. And they're taking away our social media, you know, and basically saying, no, you know, this movement is done, but it's not. So really like reigniting the fire and watching it grow probably bigger and better than ever before is, is, is some of the driving motivation behind you coming out here and joining this? It's all about that. It's all about um, people encouraging people. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, 
when you have no social media and you are isolated in your home because of COVID or whatever, and you are listening to mainstream media, you're thinking, oh, this you're, is all done. You're terrified. Yeah, there's nothing going on. Yeah. There's nothing, uh, this movement is dead, nothing's going on. But people come out to here and then they see all these people gathering together. At the same time, what you have is you have people uh, where the movie theaters are going out of business. And yet, where are the people there at events like this? Yeah. Do you want to talk about what your experience was like being on the campaign with uh, President Trump in 2016? It, it was the most wonderful thing. And the thing is, before all of this stuff, I was a liberal, so I didn't really, wasn't involved in politics. But it was Donald Trump who showed us, hey, you know what, the media says one thing about him, and I saw a completely different side of Donald Trump. And it taught America. This was before it was the word fake media came to light. So now it's like, hey, this is fake media. And we're like, oh, Donald Trump, he's just so funny, fake media. And then we're like, wow, it really is. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's pretty crazy to be able to hear something on the nightly news repeated over and over again, almost on a, a nightly basis, and then be able to go out, get into it. This is higher than the grassroots level. This is extremely organizing and growing. But to see it with your own eyes and know that that narrative that they're trying to push you know, all the people that participate in events like this are either anti-vaccine or they're just obsessed with the election that was stolen or, you know, they're, they're white nationalists when this is probably one of the most diverse crowds <laughs> we've been around in a, in a while. And just, just to be able to see that, you can understand that it, it's a lot of fear-driven uh, media tactics. Yes. And, you know, as, as, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm, I am a Chinese-American. And so this whole narrative that he was a racist is one I heard not from the beginning because I was with him before the actual campaign happened and that time everyone loved him but when the campaign started he was the biggest racist in the world and I didn't see that yeah it's definitely one of those uh, oldest tricks in the books that they like to, to whip out first taxes racist sex scandal they kind of just go down the you know the uh, benchmarks of things that they try to pin on a person and we've said it on our show for going on two years now if anyone anywhere had anything negative that they could pin on Donald Trump there it would be out a long time ago, yeah. and, right. and, and it would have crushed, and, which leads to me to believe that, you know, we're going into seven years now of this amazing movement and, and reawakening that's kind of come with the presidency of him and moving forward. Um, it's not going to be stopped. I only see it getting bigger and better. I know that the, they used to talk about, like, the silent majority, but now it's becoming just, like, the majority. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing what we need to do is there is still a group out there that's silent about things and it's time is we're done it's time to step up yeah they need to be encouraged that it's okay to right. you know this is what you think you know you can sit in the background and not express yourself and just pretend like everything's going to be fine but i think we can see that unless we start standing up things aren't going to be fine right yeah i mean they've erased people from you know they've put family units in their homes and discouraged family units in general they've erased businesses they've erased school curriculum you know, they've erased years off kids' lives. We've lost parents over uh, repression of different kinds of treatment, alternative than just the vaccine and things of that nature. And, and, and I think a lot more people are waking up and seeing that, you know, it's not just uh, your political opinion that's at stake anymore or maybe a Facebook or Instagram account. It's like, could be your actual life. It could be the way your children grow or don't develop in a world where, you know, um, they're just going to be subject to the, a lot of the things we saw during the COVID lockdowns and stuff like that, or, or when they're being negative against the Trump campaign. So I definitely think there's a lot of points there that uh, events like this, and, and obviously people like you are definitely helping 
bring everybody back together, get organized, start feeling good, get a really wholesome spiritual side of it, and uh, you know, let's all move forward together. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, I've kind of enjoyed meeting Gene here, and uh, yeah, do you nice. do you have any? Social media, websites, or anything we can direct our uh, audience listenership yes. to? Uh, uh, basically, if you go to my website, geneho.com, G-E-N-E-H-O.com. Okay, and, and we are going to direct our audience there. We will link it in the yep. uh, podcast when it's released at the uh, end of the week. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. All right, now joining us, Mr. Derek Gates, who's running for U.S. Congress at a District 33 in California. Welcome to the Steak and Breakfast podcast. How you doing today, sir? I'm great. And a related story, I do like steak for breakfast. We're getting that a lot today. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I, I think bet. We, we can kind of are a hit with our name. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what brings you to Mr. Clay Clark's Reawaken America tour? Uh, you know, I, I like the convergence of faith and government. Okay. You know, um, for me, uh, I'm running for Congress, but I'm actually a preacher. I've been a preacher for 20 years, traveling the, traveling the nations and... Um, to me, I, I really do believe uh, we're on the we're on the verge of losing everything that we have, including our ability to practice faith openly. So things like this, I believe, are going to be the catalyst of, of kind of a resistance to say we're not going to lose any more than we have. Uh, you're 100 percent right on that. There have been little tastes and crumbs of things that we could lose so fast over the last year and a half. Oh, sure. And. Uh, to some aspects, they're just not stopping. Yeah, you, I, I told people, I spoke at an event last night, and I said, the government will never forget what you give up willingly. And one of the things that really aggravated me is traveling the nations for so many years, writing books, making movies. Uh, I've, been, I've, I've spoke at these conferences with thousands of people, and everybody would stand, all these preachers, I'll never shut down, the, you, you'll have to pry me up off the pavement, you know, never, never. And then the government comes in and they whisper, it's dangerous. And everybody just runs and hides in the basement and the churches shut their doors. And, and we're, we were supposed to be the example of I what it Joe means. Joe Biden whispered that once, too. He did. He whispers every day. Yeah, That's yeah. where the, he is the uh, government whisperer. You've seen that movie, The I Horse Whisperer? The yeah. yeah. The Constitution. It can change. I wrote the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that old. Uh, yeah, the sure other day, is. didn't he say that 150 people voted for him? Did you hear that? Uh, that sounds perfectly reasonable. It, it, that is the that is the most truthful statement I've heard him say ever. <laughs> oh, there you go. I like that one. So, yeah, we made fun of it, of it for sure because we do a lot of politics on this show. Good. Um, so, your congressional race right now, why don't you tell our audience uh, just exactly what some of your, you know, benchmarks and stuff are in regards to the, the things you're running for truth truth I, I even I have it on my bracelet uh, standing for truth in the storm you know the greatest thing about for me is I don't have to pretend uh, I am who I am if people like me they like me if they don't they don't I will never pretend to be anything other than what I am um, it's interesting because I used to be I was an international drug dealer uh, I wrote wow. a book a best-selling book about my life and my conversion I had a radical encounter with God saved my life and uh, I put all my junk out, like on my on my congressional page. It says the dirt on me. That's how it's labeled. And so you beat can't do it. Yeah, I beat them to it. I, was, I put everything they could ever say against me. I call it my eight mile moment. If you've ever seen the movie Eight Mile, yeah. You know, at the end he raps about himself. You know, and I call it my eight mile moment. You know, when I wrote that book, I you said, don't rap, do you? Uh, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just I thought about I thought about trying to break off a jam for you, but yeah, uh, no, we're no, no, we're done. No, I'm way too pale. But um, you know, uh, 
it's interesting that I don't have to pretend to be anything that I'm not. And the great thing about running against a Democrat, for me, I believe this, is they beat themselves. Oh, yeah. It's a failed state, right? And so you just want, so 33rd District is Rancho Palos Verde, all the way to Calabasas, Beverly Hills, uh, Fairfax District. It's the largest in the United States landmass-wise, by the way. But you can walk outside and see the effects of blue state politics. You know, Los Angeles has, they say 60,000 homeless, but if you go to Skid Row, we minister on Skid Row, and they tell you it's more like 160,000 homeless. So every stop sign, every stoplight, every underpass, hundreds of homeless people, right? Well, that's blue state politics. Yeah. They're, they're paying, I don't know if you guys know this, but LA County is paying $700 million a year in salaries to people to take care of the homeless problem. Yep. 700 million a year. But for every 100 people that they put into a shelter, a uh, home, uh, rehousing them, whatever they're calling it that day, uh, 120 hit the streets. Yeah. So it's like an, it's like a, uh, uh, we call an eyedropper. It's like trying to, to, to get the water out of a sinking boat with an eyedropper, right? So Good analogy. that's blue state politics, you yeah. know? So they beat themselves, you know, um, crime right now, you guys probably already know this, uh, blue states, especially blue cities, crime is on the increase, 92% increase in homicide in LA County in six months, six months. Yeah. I mean, what it, it's, I, I don't know if there is a coincidence between the six month mark and the fact that Biden has been in office six months, I don't know. Rape is up 20%, you know, armed uh, uh, carjacking is up 30 something percent. They've defunded the LA County Sheriff's Department by the tune of $288 million. 150 million is what they've defunded the the police department. And they wonder why crime's up. It's just ridiculous. They're uh, decriminalizing shoplifting under a certain amount too. So, hey, go steal exactly you know, what, $4,900? Yep, it's $5,000. So anything, it's any crime. So any property crime that's under $5,000 now is decriminalized. It's just a, it's a slap on the hand. They, it's a ticket, right? right? So as long as, you know, that's right. You go into a store and you walk out with a big thing of clothes. As long as, uh, as long as it's only uh, $4,999, you get to do it again. The price is right. What's behind door number two? A Rolex. That's what's behind it. So... Yeah, it's definitely pretty sad to see how our state as uh, I've lived in California for over 20 years and it's just, it's changed so much. It's like night and day, everything from the housing market to like you said, crime. Um, One other thing you said, you know, in addition to your congressional run, you said you're a pastor, you have a ministry. Could you please tell our listenership about that? Maybe where it's located, what you do? Yeah, so I've been planting churches for about 15 years. We planted 39 churches around the United States. A a lot of those are helping other people plant them. I used to work for a couple of denominations. Uh, Our church currently, the one we just planted, number 39, Mm -hmm. is in Rancho Palos Verde. That's what brought us to California a few years ago. And um, we just, you know, I love the kingdom of God more than I love anything. Uh, Secondly is my family, you know, and and, and a third is, is, is probably my nation. You know, and um, uh, but we won't have the ability to even even worship if we don't if we don't save our nation. You know, so um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's what I do, man. I, I minister. I've ministered around the world, written books, made movies, documentaries, and uh, just doing whatever I can to serve. Yeah, I like it. It's a lot of uh, you know uh, pushing people, lifting people, assisting people. <clears throat> sounds like a whole bunch of good stuff yeah um we do have a recall event here in california not directly related to your campaign but the overall state in general and who you may or may not be working with in the fall right right. 
Um, do you have anybody that you uh, kind of like out of the gate? You know, the, I've been, I've been in, <laughs> I've been in this for uh, with them for over you know a year and a half now, and many of them are my friends mm-hmm. now because of all the different events and. When I first started running, because nobody knew me in the political world, I had to run like I was running for governor. Right. You know, just getting my name out there. So I was at all the same events, talking to all the same people, and they, they've just really, you know, came into my house and had dinner and really got to know them. It's hard to say who I like, because who I like and who I think can win are two different things. That's There's a lot of my like. There's a lot of them I really care about and love and, and, and really love who they are and what they're about, and I hope that they stay in the game, so to speak, after this, you know. Um, I think, honestly, it's probably going to come down. Unfortunately, all those guys that did all the hard work, most of them don't have a chance to win. That, that's a sad thing. That is politics, you know. Um, but uh, I, I really, Grover, uh, I don't know if you guys ever yeah. heard him. Grover was my guy. He's one of my good friends. He's actually helping my campaign now because he just stepped out. Okay. Um, Sarah Stevens, she's around here somewhere. I saw her. Man. We've done so many events together. Uh, Diego, I've done a lot of stuff with him. I really like... Um, uh, Daniel Merker, I lo- like him a lot. Uh, uh, the w- what's her name? Sarah Ray or no? Uh, Jenny Ray. I really like her. But I think I honestly I think it's going to come down to uh, Larry Elder and um, uh, Kyle. Uh, what's his name? Ken- oh yeah, uh, Kevin Kylie. Kylie. Yeah. Uh, that's who I think it's going to come down to. And if it's based on name recognition, it's probably going to be Larry Larry Elder. Uh, but I have my doubts that the recall is even going to make it. Um, I don't know that we're going to get that 50%. That, you think that, that they're going to see some stuff in court moving forward? I, I, I think that, um, first of all, a lot of Democrats signed, they did sign him, signed for that recall. But, uh, you know, it's, it's emotional, right? Everybody pissed about this lockdown and all this different stuff, right? And everybody signs, right? But when it comes down to they have, they have polarized the climate so much against Democrats and Republicans to where Republicans, if you have the R, you're a racist. Yep. You're yeah. this. You're that. Right. That's and what it stands so, for. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's why I say I'm the most hated man in the nation. I'm yeah. white. I'm tattooed. I'm straight. You know. Uh, and I'm running in a blue state in a blue district. But my wife's Hispanic, so I'm, oh, okay. I'm in. Right. There you go. But um, I, I think when it comes down to the vote, when they go in there and they actually vote, and they and they realize, wait a second, if I because none of the Democrats that are running against Newsom have a chance. They they just are all no names, right? When they, come in, when they come in and they have to vote, do you want a recall? And they look at that long list of R's, I just don't know that, they, that they're going to do it. That's a, it's a really good point. For, for a lot of our listeners who don't know, it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, there's a governor, I, I believe it's in Nevada. He's been recalled three times, and right. he's, he's still the governor. Yeah, so that's, that's right. That's kind of the way these elections work. If you don't get past a certain benchmark, which is 50%, then that governor remains so in office for the rest of his term. Yeah, it's so true. So, so true. Um, one thing I want to get uh, from you before we uh, cut out of here is that um, anyone who's in California, maybe in your district, or just wants to support you from afar, can you direct them to any kind of social media that you have? That well, you- we're not allowed to have social media. Oh, yeah. No, true. I'm just kidding. I have one. Uh, I have been... <laughs> I'm actually coming off of a 90-day uh, in the hole experience um, prison sentence. Okay. Uh, it's up in a couple of days, but I do have I do have social media. Um, I just can't advertise or anything like that right now. But officialderekgates.com is my website. There you go. And and it has links to my Instagram, my Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. Officialderekgates.com. And in we're building an army. 
we're building an army because it's not just about us. You know, our plan is the average person doesn't know how to run. Right. I didn't know how to run. None of our team knew how to run. Luckily, by the grace of God, there was a guy who's a very well-known political strategist from California. He saw me and said, I think you can actually win this. I was like, do I need to remove my tattoos? He said, no, that's what's going to win it. And uh, he, he came in and taught us. He's continuing to teach us what we're doing because nobody knew. They, right. they make this a, a rigged system. If you're not part of the, of the circle already, you'll never win. Because, you, I mean, just to get on the ballot is like a pony show. I mean, you, it's just insane just to get your FEC information done, right? So what we want to do is we're getting equipped on how to do this. So the average person, the we, the people, we can teach them how to run for office, local, state, and federal. So we're building an army of people that feel called to stand up and take our nation back. No, that's a really good story, and it seems like... Uh, for the situation that is right now in California, candidates like yourself are really going to be the ones at the end of the day that I feel personally, I'm sure Noah does as well, that are going to be making a difference here. I, I agree with that. And I'm winning. I, I, I'm winning. It's, it's amazing. I didn't think I could actually win. That's the honest truth. I was really doing this to make noise just because I was like, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I don't want to look back at my kids and be like, why didn't you do something? I wanted to at least make a stand and, and just make noise. I didn't think I had a chance to win. And now, and now I'm, I'm winning, you know, I'm winning. And I'm, I said last night in event, I was like, I'm actually going to be surprised if I don't beat Ted Lieu. I right. never thought that would happen. You know, and if you don't vote for me, you're just stupid, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, you look out the door and it's just ridiculous. you got to vote for me. Yeah, you know? I, I, it's the people up on the hill who just try to continue to encourage those people who actually live yeah. in it. That yeah. that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, everybody, everybody wants term limits, and I agree with term limits, yes. by the way. However, I keep telling people we've had term limits forever. Yeah. It's called voting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's called voting. And and you can't, we, we want to blame it all on Dominion. And, and I get it. I do get it. And I agree. I, I'm careful about what I say because right. I don't want anybody to get banned. But, you know, I agree. I think you're just silly if you don't think something was up. But the reality is that that's not the excuse for decades. We can't, st we can't use that as an excuse. We keep voting the same stupid people in. And, and that's on both sides, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's the, yeah. the swamp runs deep, my friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's ugly on both sides. And we keep voting those, those people in instead of voting the normal people that actually want to represent the normal needs. Yeah, we see some of them in Congress right now starting to make noise. We had a, a congressman from Florida, Anthony Sabatini, uh, who's running for U.S. House Representative seat right now on our show a few days ago. And, you know, people like Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah. Bober, you know, they're out there busting their butts making sure that the american people know hey listen they put on this dog and pony f show for you every week they tell you this they tell you that it's not true this is what we're doing right and this I is agree. where your money's going and stuff like that um so yeah mr Derek gates running for u.s congress district 33 in california thank you for coming on steak for breakfast it was awesome to meet you today yeah guys thank you god bless you guys thank god you. bless you as well we have a very special guest right now um dr stella emmanuel thank you for joining the steak for breakfast podcast today Awesome. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. Okay, I know you're here to talk about spiritual warfare, which is a huge component in everything that's going on right now in the world. Yes. Uh, it kind of ties everything together. You can talk about COVID, you can talk about elections, you can talk about uh, CRT, white nationalism, insurrections, and when you kind of tie all that stuff together and just look at it from the outside looking in, mm -hmm. spiritual warfare is a huge component of that. There is one question I want to ask you before you get started, though. What compelled you to jump on and join uh, Clay Clark's Reawaken America tour? I've been fighting this battle since last year, mm -hmm. and uh, I join anyone that wants me to fight. 
So when Clay called me to come join us, I said, sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, so, so did we. <laughs> we yeah. have to, it's a propaganda war. So it is. We have to be ready and out there to make sure that we're bringing the right propaganda. You know? No, it's, uh, you got to fight fire with fire right now. Yes. So it, it, it's really, and it used to be uh, a battle where we were maybe, oh no, I'm going to lose my Instagram, or oh no, they're going to cancel me, or oh no, some of my family members are going to unfollow me. Now people are dying. Yes. Kids are being affected. Mm -hmm. It's related to the medical field, government, ev politics, everything. I can't wait to hear what you brought us. Actually, um, like I said, I'm Dr. Sela Emanuel. Mm -hmm. I went to medical school in Nigeria. I'm a Cameroonian. Cameroonian is, Cameroon is in Central Africa, Nigeria is in West Africa, so I went to medical school in Nigeria. Came to this country over maybe close to 30 years ago. Okay. Been here, around here. I did general medicine back home, came here, did pediatrics, and then afterwards I went into general medicine, went back into the emergency room, started working in the emergency room. So I was kind of right there. I had just opened a clinic in Houston, and just about eight months before the COVID hit. Okay. So that's where I was when COVID hit. And because I had a lot of patients from the Middle East, Far East and everything, I got really scared. So we got PPE, we dressed as space suits. <laughs> yes. And somebody came out and told me that, um, a pharmacy friend told me that they're using hydroxychloroquine in Europe and it's working. That was perfect. I trained in Africa. We've used all hydroxychloroquine, mm -hmm. mefloquine, camoquine. You know, we take it as Sunday, Sunday medicine. Right. So it was a very easy thing for me to do. So initially I just started using the malaria dose. So we saw very good results. Patients were getting better. So I went on on Facebook and I started talking about it in this big doctor groups that I was part of. Oh, hydroxychloroquine works. If you give that and you give it with Zitromax, it works. To my greatest surprise, I got attacked. I was like, it works. I said, no, you need to do a double-blinded randomized study. It doesn't work. I didn't get it. Of course, I got kicked out of the group not too long after that. <laughs> And then people started calling the bots on me and, you know, so that was where we were. Started talking to other doctors like Dr. Osso, Dr. Richard Bartlett and, uh, you know, Brian Proctor, all of us. So we kind of met each other from just fighting this battle because mm -hmm. it was crazy. I remember the first time that uh, Richard Osso and I talked because he was in Houston too. The bots were after him too at that time. So the first time he and I talked, I was like... The next day, he tried to reach me and couldn't reach me, and he was so scared that something bad had happened to me. Ooh, that is the kind of intimidation and fear we were under. At some point, I told them, I said, guys, this is not a medical battle. It's a spiritual battle. But of course, they are doctors. They told me I was just being intense. Oh, Dr. Stella, calm down, you know, kind of calm down, slow down with that spiritual stuff. I said, this is a spiritual battle. By May, I was done fighting this med so-called medical battle. I tell people, I say, COVID-19 is a Trojan horse. Mm -hmm. It is fake science. It has, the way they have handled this thing has nothing to do with science. The way they have handled it is totally fake science. So I told people, I said, well, I'm done trying to be nice. I'm going to take the battle to the streets the way they want it to, to fight it. So I threw off the doctor coat and I started fighting like a street fighter. Yeah. <laughs> so you cannot keep coming into a street fight with a coat. Yeah, so I'll go did. on Facebook. If I said I treat somebody attacked me or somebody attacked anybody that was taking care of hydroxychloroquine or taking care of patients, we'll rally together. We'll go after them. I'll fight. I'll throw all kinds. I'll call them AIs and call them all kinds of names. I said, what's wrong with you? Have you ever seen a patient? When's the last time you showed a patient? Why would you say something like, oh, okay, great, great, great. You're a big doctor in some big hospital. Tell me, how many people did you kill? Tell me what ER shift you worked. And I'll go and check to find out how many people you've killed so far. I just went off. 
So that's where we were when the frontline doctors got together yeah. and I was invited to come and speak. I didn't go for the first one, I went for the second one. And I didn't go for the third one. So they invited me to come to come to join them. So of course I went there in good spirit, just ready to fight. When I left Houston. You you did put your coat back on for that though. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I put my coat back on yeah. to take care of my patients. And you know, I'm I'm a clinician. Right. I'm two things. I'm a clinician, I'm a spiritual warrior. Until today I, I mean, my team and I have basically seen over 35,000 patients. Amazing. You know what I'm saying? So this is what we do. But I put my coat on for my patients. But for the other people, I throw off the coat and I attack them. So so that's where we were when we got to D.C. that day. And I told my f- family when I was leaving, I said, I'm going to D.C. I'm going to speak up. If I perish, I perish. If they, don't, if I, if they kill me, so be it. I'm not going to let people die. And you know, yeah. like Esther, any time you ever said, if you perish, you perish, you never perished. So that's yeah. where I was when I got to D.C. So I was in good spirits. I told the other people, you guys play nice. I'm going to be the attack dog. So I stood out there that day. I said, you know, hydroxychloroquine works and Fauci is lying. Sanjay Gupta is crazy and just, you know, give me a urine sample. I just went off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. So when, of course, something serious happened that day, which was actually very spiritual. People... Um, if you know this, every, everybody was locked down. The nations of the world was, were locked down. And everybody was scared we were all going to die. Mm-hmm. And then that day, God used my voice. Something puffed in the spirit. In fact, doctors that had been scared woke up. Big doctors in big hospitals, now they are speaking up. You understand know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That day, something blew up in the spirit. And then it started going through the world. Hydroxychloroquine works. People were translating into all kinds of languages. I've heard people tell me, oh, they saw videos of me translating into India and different countries like Australia and, uh, you know, China mm-hmm. and everywhere or something. So I believe that nobody could make a video go that viral. It was just God's mercy. Yeah. And yes. To give us a way out because there was a way out. So you can imagine me knowing that hydroxychloroquine works. At the time we went to DC, I had not lost a patient. And from then till now, we probably lost about maybe eight patients. And it's because now very sick people come to my clinic. I tell them I'm not an emergency room. We've had people show up at my clinic with oxygen of 60. Mm-hmm. Very ashen, like we'll be calling them the ambulance to come pick them from the clinic. You know, of like, course, don't yeah. come. Well, I'm not an emergency room. So um, that's how we've taken care of patients. We've put a lot of people on prevention. I tell people it's an invisible battle. Mm-hmm. If you're going to fight this battle, get on hydroxychloroquine prevention, get on ivermectin prevention, get on the vitamins. We actually did a, a vitamin. We put together our own private label vitamin that has vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, and quercetin in one pill. Wow. You can get it on our website from uh, drstellamd.com. So we did all those things. And we started taking care of patients. We established a, a good uh, telehealth company where we can see patients in the whole, all 50 states, mm-hmm. pursue licenses in the different states and got doctors from different states. So we basically can see patients in all 50 states. So I tell people, you can get hydroxychloroquine. We know how to fight those AI pharmacies that don't want to fill people's prescriptions. Yeah. We know how to come against them or fight them. If not, we have pharmacists that we ship. So that's the one thing I tell people. I said, we created something to take care of the American people. So far, like I said, we've 
taking over 35,000 patients and we're still taking care of the American people. And we're going to still be here. My team is huge. At some point, we had about 15 doctors and NPs working right now. Maybe we're about eight. Mm -hmm. But we, we can scale up because we have people that can join us and work part-time. So we, I know that when the winter is coming, things are going to get a little dicey. Yeah. Because the flu is going to come and people that have taken the vaccine are going to get sick. Yeah. They're going to get into anti antibody enhancement. You know, and it's going to cause some problems. People might die. So <laughs> I'm just telling my staff right now, you guys ramp up and get ready to take care of the American people. We sure do. Yes. The second thing that we did uh, when we got down, like I said, we started praying. You know, it's a spiritual battle. We started praying. The Lord had been showing me this battle for this nation for a long time. You know, in 2011, we did a 100-day lock-in. I do these crazy prayer programs. We locked in in a house for 100 days. We did not come out and we prayed around the clock. Wow. And the Lord showed us a whole lot of stuff about the nation. That's when it actually, God started really pulling me to really fight for America. And since then, it's been like, sometimes it's like the, the burden for the nation is so heavy spiritually that sometimes I just have to cry. I say, Lord, you know, you have to help. You know, our nation right now is like, in the valley of dry bones and when people are in the valley of dry bones like in the book of Ezekiel they can't wake themselves up people can't you can't they could not wake themselves up they need a prophet Ezekiel yeah. you've raised up to be the prophetic voices to speak and pray over the nation answer us because we need prophet Ezekiel and we need the wind of God you know what I'm saying so uh, you can prophesy all you want if the wind of God does not blow they don't come alive so that's why we're praying for revival we have a revival camp coming up so we started praying on August 9th of last year it's going to be one year august 8th of this year so we're doing a revival camp from the 25th of july to august 8th we're doing a two-week lockdown we're going to stay on the camp we bought a ranch 15 acres the right kind of lockdown yes <laughs> two-week lockdown yeah. to flatten the spiritual curve that's and overwhelm awesome. the nation with the power of God. So we're calling prayer warriors, Christians, people that have to wake up from the slumber that we've been in, pastors that are tired and drained, come and pray. And we're only calling children of God, Christians. If those demonic woo-woo, you know, which teachers show up at our program, I don't take prisoners, I'm a warrior. <laughs> the jacket's going to be off yes, again. Yes, yep. all will be off. You know, no. <laughs> we'll send fire. You know, so we've been praying since August of last year, doing two, three hours prayer. And we don't pray those ice cream sweets. Oh Lord, oh Lord, help us. Oh Lord, prayers. We pray prayers like, oh God, arise and let the enemy scatter. We pray prayers like, oh son, oh son, stand up in the tree and begin to smite the enemy. We pray prayers like the angels of the living will go into the heavens and let there be war over America. We pray prayers like break their heads with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. These are all scriptures. Mm -hmm. We pray prayers like associate yourself, all you people in Isaiah 8, you shall be broken into pieces. <laughs> Take counsel together, speak the word, it will not stand. We pray prayers like they shall surely gather but not by God. Whosoever gathers against us shall scatter for our sake. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, we yeah. pray serious warfare prayers. We are warriors. We're cutthroat snipers. And that is what the church have to do for us to survive. Yeah. I mean, we cannot keep praying those ice cream sweets, oh Lord, oh Lord things. No, it's it's nice to live in your own little corner of the of the Bible per se, but at the end of the day, look at what they did to so many churches, ministries, mm -hmm. people. I mean, so many family members just yes, lost over the dying. last year and a half yes. for no reason. Yes, people dying, you know. Yeah, for no reason. And you know, the psalmist say that before we afflicted, we went astray. Our nation has gotten astray. It has. And we have to come back to God. We have to cry out to come back to God. I know a lot of pastors, a lot of ministers have gotten astray. The, and then the true ministers of God, the true shepherds, 
they are beaten up. True shepherds are tired. Some of them are retired. Some of them, their churches have closed down. I always tell people, I said, please support your church. Even if it's not open, support your church mm-hmm. because they, they, they're not going to stop paying mortgage because you know, it's closed. It's closed. You know something? But the wolves are, are prospering. You know, the wolves, yeah. the pastoral wolves, those are the ones that have given us this sweet gospel, this come as you are, stay as you are, Jesus loves you, I will just keep building you up, building you up, even though you're living like the devil, you know something, you don't have to read the Bible, just listen to what I say, mm-hmm. you don't have to obey God, just so, 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 if you sow in my ministry, all will be well with you. They are wolves, and they have gone and sold us out. You see, the hireling does not care about the sheep. Those people are hirelings, they are wolves. They've gone and sold the church out, taking money from the government. I said this, I said this in August of last year, that pastors are being bribed and they are pushing yep. this job. Yeah. How can a pastor, I heard one prominent pastor say that Jesus will take the vaccine. I was like, that is blasphemy. May your voice shut in this nation forever in Jesus' name. Well, the healer of healers is going to take can the vaccine imagine? Yeah, as a I mean, preventative this, for something that yes, he can this, heal. This, this, are, this, are, this, this is just, that's blasphemy. So we are living in a time when the wolves are running the churches. I keep praying. I say, Father, let the house of David begin to rise up and let the house of Saul begin to come down. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you see, the souls are defiled pastors, the ones that are sitting there with big churches and they have been fired. They are no longer serving God. They are no longer even written in heaven as children of God. But they have this big followership. That's the same thing with King Saul. King Saul was fired two years after his reign and he continued to reign. And God has raised the Davids and the Davids are on the backside of the desert. We're praying that God will raise them up and bring them to prominence. You understand what I'm saying? I, I was one of the Davids and God dragged people like me to the prominence. So we're praying that God will bring my other brothers and sisters that are crying out, that are the remnants, that are the ones that are still crying for righteousness and peace, that are still crying for the move of God, that he will bring them into prominence so that they will take the nation, not these wolves that are trying to destroy the church. But the church has to wake up. So we have a two-week camp revival coming. And we're going to camp out, you know, stay there two weeks. We're not coming out of the place. We have housing. We have even, if we have camps, people can actually just, like, you know, we bought, like, this net, this camping gear, and people can just camp out. We're going to pray around the clock because we want God. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. And I do believe that revival is coming. And when I say that, I don't say that lightly. I hear all the time online or on TV, I don't watch TV, but like online, all these prophets, prophets, and the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory. They've been prophesying that. How could you prophesy revival and glory without asking the people to turn back to God? Yep. Do you yeah. understand something? How could you prophesy revival and glory without praying and seeking God for revival? We've been praying and crying out to God. We know revival is coming because we have been paying the price and we have been seeing the little showers, the little things that show mm-hmm. that God is going to move. I was, in North Dakota, I was in North Dakota a few weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, and I came out and I spoke and a rainbow came out. The lady, the guy just showed me, as I was speaking, the rainbow came out right over me. And that was just God showing that the sign of a covenant in something. It's happened a few times when we're talking, God's rainbow just come out. On a clear day, a little shower will come out and rainbow will come out. So I know that God is showing us that he's going to answer, that he's, he's, he's he going to keep his covenant in something. So we're praying and we're, we're doing all that and just believing God. So we're going to pray till he answers. We are on revival push. Today is, I think, the 335 or so that we've been praying every day. Revival push. And we're going to pray and we're going to pray until either God comes and raptures us or he brings revival. 
we're not going to stop. I've told him, I said, Father, I will pay the price. Whatever price I have to pay, I will pay. I will not, my, not on my watch will my world perish. I, I think and you, the church has to wake up. No, it, it's true. I, I could see it, I could hear it, and I could feel it coming off of you. It's pretty, the energy level at this table. You've gone so past the point of where a lot of people would say, well, this is the point of no return. I'm either going to give it all up and be like you're trying to be and, and are right now kind of trying to revive the nation, wake up, awareness, you know, and bringing people back to the to the covenant of God, or then you just like are stuck. I think things like that revival sound awesome. Where is it going to be at? In Houston, Texas. Okay. Actually, in Brookshire. Brookshire is a small city out of Houston. A little more rural. Yes, it's it's, a, it's on a ranch, 15 acres, right there in the rural. It's like in the middle of nowhere, you know. I like it. Yes. Yeah, you can go like there. There are no 5G towers close by. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yes. And yeah, we're going to crash their internet of things and blow up their towers. You know, if you watch this movie called The Leave, where there were some aliens that taken over the people, <laughs> in that movie, they crashed their towers and they exposed them. Oh. You know, we are living in a time when, when I started saying that they are aliens, you know, they, they, they went off on me, oh, yeah, she believes in aliens. Of right. course, they are aliens. A lot of people that were going after me for believing in aliens are probably the aliens. I remember that was one of the things yes. when you first came out. You know something? Listen, the Bible says, talks about this in the book of, if you look at it in Daniel chapter 2, verse 42 and 43, it says that, in that, that there's going to be a last kingdom that will be iron mixed with clay. They say, as iron mixed with clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of man. What does that mean? That means iron will mingle with the seed of man. This is in Daniel 2, chapter 43 and 42 and 43. But guess what? There's a message I did. It's on our website, on drstellamd.com. It's a message I did called COVID, the, the complete picture. It's a one-hour message. Please listen to all of it. I play the messages from these people. This Charles Morgan, that used to work for DAPA and Amy mm -hmm. Cruz. These are people that work for military intelligence, you know, and DAPA, the AI part mm -hmm. of the military. They actually say that they're trying to program us. They want to upgrade our brain. They want to give us false memories. They want to turn us to a human 2.0. They want to merge us with machine. Do you know something? So the Bible talks about it, and that's the same thing I was talking about. It's not different from Genesis 6. But here's the issue. The devil has had tried to do this many times. People are like, are we done? I was like, you know what? I don't know whether we're done. It's up to God to decide whether we're done. But if we don't fight, we will be done. Yeah. But if we fight, God will show us mercy. And I know that. Why? If you go through the Bible, look at the pattern. In the book of Genesis, Noah cried and cried and cried for 80 years. His world did not hear. God destroyed it. In the, then they left from there and then they went to the days of Nimrod and they wanted to build a tower and put God in heaven like the 5G towers they have right now. Mm -hmm. And God came down and scattered those towers. You know, some scattered their language and they scattered. You know, that tower is the same towers they're trying to build now. But you know, we know better right now than the, the old world right there. You know? And the Bible says in, um, in Judges 5 verse 20, Deborah, Prophetess Deborah, he called the stars. The stars lined up in their course and they fought against Sisera. Their, that battle was recorded in history. They say it was thunder, lightning, everything was blowing up. Deborah prophesied and all of creation arose to fight. You know, Gideon fought. I mean, people in the Bible, they fought. You know what I'm saying? Joshua spoke to the sun. The right. sun stood still over Gibeah. Moses spoke and the earth opened up and swallowed Korah, Detan, and Abiram. 
we have to wake up and start becoming speaking spirits again. And we have to, God gave us authority over this world, not to some AIs or dragons or Nephilims or Satanists. Mm -hmm. The authority on this earth was given to you and I. Because we have neglected our authority, the devil is running rampant. We have to get back to God so that we can come back into that place of authority. Because it, your, our authority depends on our obedience. If we are not obedient, we cannot operate in that authority. We have to get back to being a supernatural being. We get back to witches knowing that, if, or Satan is knowing that if they fire an arrow at you, you will send it back with a hundredfold destruction and they will be destroyed. People are like, well, Dr. Emmanuel, that is kind of mean. Why would you want to do that? You've got to love your enemies. <laughs> Listen, these are not my enemies. These are enemies of God. Right. Psalm 2 said it, that the kings of the earth, they take counsel together against God, against his anointed. All these globalists, these satanists, these luciferians, they are not my enemies. They are the enemies of God. Mm -hmm. We're just caught up in the crossfire. Yeah. So if God can call them his enemies, who am I to say differently? Do you know what I'm saying? If God can be the one to, ready to blow them up, who am I to say differently? So we should come off that crazy, sweet, stupid Christianity that we've received and realize that the Bible is a book of love. The Bible is a legal book. The Bible is also a book of war. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. In the, in the, in, because because in, in Exodus, while God was busy taking off the, 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 you know, God was knocking off the wheels of the chariots of Pharaoh, right? Our today's Christianity will be connecting the wheels back and reassuring Pharaoh that God is love. The same Apostle Paul that preached the message of love in 2 Corinthians, it is the same Apostle Paul that in Acts 13 judged Elimas with blindness. The reason why evil is taking over is because the church has failed in its authority. And the church right now is the only entity that God gave power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the works of darkness and nothing will hurt us. We are in a spiritual battle. Nothing these people are doing is science. If it was no. science, for example, masks don't work. Using a mask to filter COVID, and I'm a physician, it's like using a, a, using a chain link fence to filter a mosquito. And they know it. There are actually studies that say that and they know it. Anthony Fauci and all these people, they know that we know that they are lying, but they are doing it anyway. Yep. They know that we know that they cheated in the election, but they are doing it anyway, and half of the country is caged. Do you know what I'm saying? They know, like, remember the, uh, uh, President Trump's letter, Joe, you know I won. Yes. They know. <laughs> oh, we know. We read them every week on our show. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying? They know. But what is going on? They are, they are taking over because they are using Satan's power. Yeah. And the good guys are running on empty. If the good guys connected to God, these Satanists will be pulverized. Yeah, you know we, what I'm Send them to the pit where they belong. We, the good we, guys are just not doing their thing. We see our third host. He's probably the most in his Bible out of the three of us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and our, in our studio is at his house. And he said a lot of times over the last six months, like, man, politics, man, COVID man all this stuff it's burning me out one of the things i noticed I, we've never really talked about it but i'm a very observant person is that when we go every week to record our show he always has his bible he always has his notepad his highlighter and his pen in our studio kind of where he's feeling the burnt out and i feel like he's doing a lot of that work in there trying to just reconnect and stay connected and stay in the fight because like you said, there's so much He stuff. needs to stop saying that he's burnt out. Mm -hmm. You never speak anything the devil can use against you. And he can tell, hear it. Tell him that if he's burnt out, one week in our revival camp, he will get back in, in shape. Are we going to send Nick to camp? <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, awesome. he should. In fact, that's what... That's what. See, we're going to train prayer warriors. You understand what I'm saying? We are cutthroat prayer warriors. We're snipers. We're not, like, cute. 
you have some who are serious. Like people don't even realize just how much we're trained for this. So when like one lady came to visit me and I took her on my prayer drive, we drive around for like two, three hours to mm -hmm. pray. We stopped by rivers and we anoint them and we stopped by monuments and we anoint them and we prayed. She was like, oh. by the by two, three days she was already beat up. I, I looked at her smile because I've been doing this for years. That's so, amazing. So we're trained for this. And it's good for, you know, in the days of Elijah, Obadiah did something. Obadiah took the prophets and hid them in the cave and fed them. A lot of the pastors right now, a lot of the people that are pushing this battle, they are not connected spiritually, so they are drained. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to come and get revived. You need to come and get prayer. You need to come and fight. You need to come and let... And, and, come with a body of believers that are accessing the holy place, accessing the holy of holies, so that you come out of there with re-energization of your spirit so that you can fight. Because a lot of people are going to get taken out as casualties if they, if they continue to fight with no power. Yeah, I mean, you just, you just can't go just expecting everybody to, and I say it pun intended, but save you. Mm -hmm. um, to come to camp. Yeah, come, to, ca come yep. to camp and get beat up by Dr. Stella. I don't have to beat them up. The Holy Spirit does it. Yeah, that's true. The Holy you Spirit will flow over them. You know, the other day we had we had camp. We were still doing some construction. We were standing there and we we're worshiping, hmm. and we we're singing this song: "Fresh wind blowing in this place, fresh wind blowing in this place, fresh wind blowing in this place, Holy Ghost fire." We were just singing. We we're worshiping, and the wind, the wind actually started blowing. The trees all over the place were quiet. The trees around us were moving. And the people that, some lady that came, they got healed. We didn't pray for her. Right. You know something? You just, you know, you just have to, when you connect to the presence of God, God does it. Yeah. He, he raises up the people. He wakes them up. And, um, you know, I won't finish. I'm going to pray for your audience finally. Oh, that would be awesome. Okay. Any more questions for me, sir? Real quick, and I hope it doesn't get too long of an answer. And before you pray, I was going to ask kind of if you would loop this into it. There, there's a couple people listening right now. I know you gave them some options. You can't be scared. You have to be fierce. You have to be a warrior. Mm -hmm. You have to understand what's really going on on the spiritual battlefield that can con connect everything that you may be concerned about or not together. Yes. There's some there's some people that are going to listen to this. They're going to be on the fence. They're the ones that sit in front of their computer or on their phone all day, and they just like, well, this kind of makes me scared. This kind of makes me mad. I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. Just like your, your simplest piece of advice for them. I pray that the Holy Spirit will visit you and wake you up in Jesus' name. They don't have advice. They are caged. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual battle. Do you know something? You can't just tell them, wake up. They are in the, dry, they are in the valley of dry bones. Yeah. So those are what we pray. The Bible talks about it, about the valley of decision. So we pray for those in the valley of decision that God will bring them out, that God will help them, that the presence of God will visit you listening to the sound of my voice and the yoke of oppression over your mind, over your spirit, over your soul will be broken and you wake up as a mighty warrior in Jesus' name. You know, so you can't help them. The Holy Spirit has to help them. That's yeah. why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God. We need God back in the church. Right now, our churches are dry. They are. So people go there and they come out dry. So we, we need to get back. To, we need revival. Yep. We need revival. That's all. We can't do this. I can wake them up. You can't wake them up. Nobody can wake anybody up. We need God to move. So that's why we're praying. To the Father, we can't help ourselves anymore. We don't even know how far we've strayed away from you. We don't even know because everybody's just like us. You know, but we need God. So that person that is sitting there listening to me and thinking, oh my God, I'm so tired. I just pray that the Spirit of God will visit you right now in your house in the name of Jesus. And God will break that oppression over your mind. You will wake up. Your spirit will wake up in the name of Jesus. 
I pray that every veil of darkness over your mind will catch fire and burn to ashes in the name of Jesus. I pray that the spirit of the living God will begin to burn and the fire of God and the blood of Jesus will begin to flow from the top of your head to the soles of your feet in the name of Jesus. The word of God says, stranger shall submit. They shall be afraid out of their close places. And I pray that every stranger that is oppressing you will submit and come out in the name of Jesus. I pray for those that have received the vaccine, that are were deceived into it, that are scared. I pray. The Bible says that strangers will submit. They'll be afraid out of their close places. The Bible says even the lawful captive shall be delivered. For God will contend with those that are contained with us. He will save our children. I will begin to pray that that, that nanobot is Luciferian. And the Bible says at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee bows. So we begin to come on that nanotechnology, that Luciferian deposit inside your body right now by the power of the Holy Ghost to begin to come out right now. Let the fire of God, let the blood of Jesus flush it out of you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for the healing balm of Gilead to begin to heal your body, heal your soul heal your spirit in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, that Holy Spirit, that you will visit people and wake them up from spiritual sleep and slumber in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, that your will will be done in our nation again, oh God, that you will arise, Father, and fight for your bride and fight for your church, oh God. Father, we cannot help ourselves anymore. We need you, oh God. Father, arise and wake up those that are still crying, Father. Raise up the Davids, anoint them, bring them to prominence, oh God. God. Father, bring down the source, oh God, those that have been, that have, that has left you, oh God, so that we can come back to you, Father. King of glory, we give you praise. We pray, oh God, for a spiritual revival over this nation. We pray, oh God, Father, we bring repentance on behalf of all the evil, and we pray that the blood of Jesus will flow through the land and cleanse this land in the name of Jesus, that the rivers will begin to boil with your fire, and the, your cleansing power will move through the land, and your wind will blow through the land again, oh God, that will my become again a nation under God that the scepter the call of God for America father will not will not pass us by anymore in the name of Jesus father restore us back oh God to a place father where we are one nation under God in the name of Jesus restore us back to a place father that we're going to be a city on the hill a light to the world that we're going to be taking the gospel back to the edge of the earth in the name of Jesus father even not for our sake oh God for the sake of all those that die taking the gospel to the jungles of Africa and South America, Father, for the sake of our forefathers that served you with all their heart, Father, come and rescue us in the name of Jesus. King of glory, we give you praise and we thank you for everybody listening, oh God, that you wake them up. You will just visit them, Father, and show them your mercy and grace in the name of Jesus. Show them your healing, show them your deliverance, and show them that you are still God and you rule in the affairs of man. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that was amazing. Wow. I, I'd, I'd do it again if we could, but I'm sure there's a lot of people here that want to talk to you. Um, why don't you hit your website one more time? DrStellaMD.com. Get out to a revival. Get in the car with Dr. Stella. Let yes. her beat you up a little bit. Let her let you get beat up by the Holy Spirit yes. even better. Yep. And uh, thank you very much for coming on the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Bless you. I enjoyed my time. God bless you. Okay, we're here now, and we're joined by a member of the community. Um, she's going to go by the name of Bree. She's currently active duty in the Navy, and she has a story to tell. Um, Bree, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Good. How are you? We're good. A little, little warm. <laughs> um, it is uh, 
sweltery. Is that a word? It is now. Yeah. We have been asking all of our guests, obviously, what compelled them to join the Reawakening America Tour. However, you're here as a someone to see it. How has the experience been for you so far? What can you tell us about it? Oh, man, it's been moving. Um, I mean, I'm very, like, religious as well, so okay. this has definitely hit my heart and... It's gotten my spiritual feels um, moving, but uh, it's been awesome. I mean, seeing all these different people um, and communicating with so many different people that are that have the same mindset and think the way that I do and are all fighting for the same thing has just been so great to see. And um, I mean, I was just telling my friend over here. Okay. Luis, that um, it's been one thing to see God bring so many people together through this movement um, and just fighting together to bring hope and for all of us, you know. Well, that's a, that's a really good point. What, what are some of the speakers you saw today? Oh, goodness. Um, like, so, so many different people. I mean, I can't even. Um, let's see. We've. Oh yeah, Rachel Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like nervous over here. So. No, no, just we don't have to put you on the spot. That's me. If you ask me like, like what I did yesterday, days. I won't. You could like put a gun to my head and I wouldn't be able to answer. That's that's how I am too. I mean, I'm the worst at names, so I can't even, like, tell you. I don't even remember. Melissa, I barely remember his name. Melissa Tate. <laughs> Melissa Tate, yes. Good one, too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so, we've, we've been seeing people coming and going all day, and it's been a pretty enjoyable experience for us, to say the least. We, Speaking of spiritual experiences, though, we just had wow. Miss uh, Stella Emanuel come sit with us. You may remember her from the Doctors Without Borders in front of Congress uh, last year. Um... Yeah, it was pretty lifting, to say the least. Yeah, high so, energy in a different way. Right. She was awesome. She talked about spiritual warfare and being warriors for uh, for God and for the movement and, and about, you know, waking people up to the Lord and all those things. It was just an enjoyable experience. So I kind of get what you're saying when you're, you kind of gave that initial statement of wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, she spoke earlier today. That's def- That was definitely somebody that gets you moving and... Um, she was awesome listening she, to. She spoke longer with us than she did on stage today. Did she really? By a lot. Yeah. So, she yeah, was it was pretty awesome. A, over a half hour. Okay, so, and we know that you're a little nervous, and that's completely fine. I mean, we have people on the show all the time who, uh, after we introduce them, they kind of just sit there and watch us do a podcast instead of participating. <laughs> but you do have kind of a story to tell. So we want to, in as a comfortable a way as possible, kind of let our audience know about some of the things that are going on in your personal professional life right now okay um so as i said i am in the military okay um currently i work in the medical field and um it's been very telling with this past year with covid yeah um and watching how everybody has been working um whether it's through lockdowns or it's through vaccinations. Um, I personally was working in the clinic, so I've seen how 
it's how we've been working with the military and their spouses. Um, and I, for one, did not want to be one injecting anybody just because if anything were to happen, I did not want that life on my hands. Right. Um, so I kind of stood on the side and did the admin portion or I um, was the one drawing up the vaccine. So I did handle um, that and had that exposure in that way. We, what we have going on right now in military with the vaccine is we're seeing a lot of higher ups mm -hmm. pushing the vaccine on military in the way that they are using incentives. Um, we've got a lot of people going out on ships um, deploying. Okay. And they are telling them that if they want to get off port, the only way that they can do that is if they are vaccinated. Hmm. So you're thinking six to eight month long deployment on a ship and you are not allowed off the ship unless you are Yeah, no liberty call. Bummer. <laughs> Sounds you, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just had friends get off uh, Mew. They just returned about a month ago. And um, they did not want it, but they got it because they wanted to, they'd been on the ship for about five months already and the port, they were like, if you want to get off and go have some liberty, you got to get vaccinated. So they gave in and um, and uh, one of them actually came over to my, <laughs> to my house and he um, was like, let's test this magnet thing. And it worked. Sure enough. <laughs> It, it worked. <laughs> sounds, what? Sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, that's just one of the cases I've, that we I've have. I've been calling bullshit on that for a long time, but yeah. I don't know. I wow. mean, I, I have personal family, too. I mean, my dad got it as well, and um, he told me himself. He's like, oh, I had been hearing about it and joking around with people that I was like, oh, watch this. I'll put a quarter on me. And sure enough, he was like, can you believe that thing stuck to me? I was like, I mean, I wasn't going to tell you because you went and got the damn thing. So Yeah. That, that seems to be the case with a lot. So, so now what you're basically saying is that at least now <clears throat> it's not mandated in the military. No. But a lot of the brass is using it as kind of an incentive to get it into people so that they can kind of not be stuck in the crappiest jobs or places while they're deployed. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's even things, not even just doing that, going to a meeting. We've had an officer say, hey, we've got this mandatory meeting coming up. Um, it's a, everybody must go, but in order to go to this mandatory, mandatory meeting, you have to be vaccinated. Oh, but don't forget, it's mandatory. Sounds crazy. I so feel like that's probably not okay. Right? And, I mean, my husband even told me, too, that there are um, a lot of the brand-new guys coming in through the Marine Corps are having, don't know the instructions, right? They don't know, they don't know word-for-word word things. They're brand-new. Right. They're still learning. And they're using it in that way of, like, hey, if you want to go home or take leave, you have to be vaccinated. So these kids are like, oh well, I guess I'll I'll go I'll go get that, because they don't know and they haven't read the instruction and they 
they're just doing what they're told. And, you know, when they're fresh like that, they're scared. Yeah, they'll do whatever somebody more authority than them has. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you say you worked in in kind of the medical field and and you worked directly around the administration or administering of this, of the vaccines there. Um, Have you personally felt like any side effects or adverse effects from being around? Like, you know, some of the people reference like shedding or, you know, if you're in, if you're around large demographics of people who have received the, the vaccine, you may also... Um, have some of the adverse side effects that are directly related to when you actually get the injection. Okay, so I was actually talking about this earlier, but um, so like I mentioned before, I was the one handling it Mm -hmm. specifically. So mind you, I did have a baby. Um, Now it's been 11 months, but at that time, thank you. Um, At the time it was six months uh, postpartum and I had already been maybe like a month or so, maybe less than that, mm-hmm. handling the vaccine. And people already were getting the vaccine, right? Coming in for the right. second shot. I started going through what a lot of the women started having issues with when it came to menstrual cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, we I, talk about it on the show all the time. As far as the language goes, you could be as colorful as you want. Okay, perfect. Um, so I actually was having a heavy bleed Mm -hmm. for 30 days and for me that's not normal and this is my second child and that was not normal for me um and when i mean like heavy i mean i bled through everything Mm -hmm. like there was it was to the point i wasn't feeling good i was feeling fatigued i had no like a break it was just one through 30 and um, somebody saw me at work and was like, hey, you don't look so good. And I was like, I don't. I have this going on, and I don't know what's going on, and I feel sick. And they're like, you need to go to the ER right now because I know you're postpartum, and this is not okay. Right. And me, at this time, there was no talk about the shedding. So I didn't know what was going on. I just, you know, maybe this is part of my postpartum. So I went and got checked by the ER, and ER tells me, oh, it's just hormones. Hmm. Here's more hormones. So they gave me more medication to just kind of kill it. And I was like, this doesn't, the logic to this doesn't make any sense. Because if it's hormone, you want me to add more hormones, it doesn't even make any sense. So I'm not even going to put this in my body. Right. I'm going to let my body figure out what's going on. So they sent me home. I stayed home for two days. Um, to kind of just let my body figure out. And I'm at mm-hmm. home with my kids, and it stopped the two Imagine days. That. As I'm at home awake, there's nobody there, right? And um, I still didn't make the connection yet that there was something. It wasn't until stuff had started to come out that I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is what happened to me. Um, and I was having the bad stomach pains and I was telling my husband like, I don't know, this is something different. I feel sick. Um, I feel like somebody was taking knives and just gutting my stomach. And, um, I was having all the clots and I just, I just assumed that maybe this was just a postpartum Mm -hmm. issue that I just had never experienced. But what I know now, I... 
I 100% believe it was the shedding that I had been working with. Yeah, it so. seems like you were around such a high concentration of both people who were injected and the actual vaccines itself. Yeah. It just seems natural that you would have some adverse side effects to that. It's, that's horrible. I'm sorry you went through that. I mean, it is a shitty feeling to know, like, or to even be a part of that. But right. for me, I feel like... I personally got to understand it, go through it, and feel it, and I know what other women are going through and are having the issues with, so if anything, I feel like I can speak out about it and connect with others that are going through that as well. Well, well, that's my next question. I mean, you're a wife and a mother. You obviously have a career that, you know, off the air before we started, you talked about that you're very invested in. Uh, you really have been trying to grow and develop and work and, and serve your country. You felt compelled to serve, and that's where you're at right now. Um, in the same context, what was the feeling that kind of made you want to come forward and talk about this? Raise awareness. Oh, just in general? Yeah. Um, okay, so, I mean, I've been doing, talking about this since beginning of January 2020. Okay. Um, and I actually had a mom page. I used to speak out about that, but my husband had brought up to me, um, you know, the so-called conspiracy theories going on with underground tunnels and all this. And oh. I was like, oh, please. You're talking about like the dumbs? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. my favorite is when I always want to ask him, but I don't want him to think I'm weirder than I already am. But I, I always, the two questions I always want to ask is the military in control and are the dumbs real? <laughs> so, and, and then that's the response I thought I would get from Noah. But um, it's, I think it's awesome when actually military, you have husband and wife, two different branches, right? Yes. And now they're, con, they're conspiracizing about it at home. Yeah, I like so, it. Alex Johnson, or Alex, Alex Jones is somewhere in uh, rural Georgia right now, like, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he brought it up to me, and I was like, oh, please, what, what news station are you getting this from? And he was like, what, what do you mean? Nobody's talking about this. And I was like, yeah, well, if this was real, it would be all over the news. <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> I know, right? I, um, and it's funny because it's been, there's been a lot of things I've been awake to, mm -hmm. um, and other things I've just, I wasn't. And he opened my mind in that frame and yeah. then I started like questioning like what is he actually talking about so I started I mean that's when I had started my staying up to like 4 a.m. Well sounds like out of the shadows <laughs> and follow the cabal was on. I mean that's uh, you know, your... this followed up not that long later. There but, you go. But um, I mean yeah that's kind of what it started and I started on my mom page and I lost a lot of friends and um, people that I thought were friends and mm -hmm. they all just thought I was crazy and but that's really what started me and it was um, it was the kids really learning about the dumbs and the kids um, being trafficked and um, my cognitive dissonance didn't want to believe that that was possible that was actually something that was happening and to look back at that now I'm like how could you even think that that's not even a real thing? Yeah, people have been the most profitable currency in the world since its inception. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's outlined everywhere from, you know, conspiracy theory documentaries that you can't find on YouTube anymore all the way back through the Bible. Yeah. So why wouldn't you think that just because we live in a more modern time that those, you know, ancient methods of currency and stuff still exist? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're seeing it on the southern border right now. Those... 
people that are getting trafficked at the rate, I think the average is for the amount of people that cross about $25,000 per person. So we're, we're, is that a bargain? It's a discounted rate, apparently. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what's going on right now. And then, so it, it was like a, what you're saying is it was like a totalness of like how you were waking up to everything that kind of made you feel like you needed to really bring awareness to what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it hit me so hard. Like I said, it was the kids that really got me. Yeah. So it hit me so hard in just being a mom mm-hmm. that I could not keep my mouth shut. And um, it was just one thing after another. And then, you know, COVID started happening and I right away was like, this is stupid. Mm -hmm. This is the most craziest thing going on. And um, I I just couldn't even, I mean, you could literally see the lies um, just pouring in from every media station that I you couldn't see past it and especially after seeing all the things that i started like Mm -hmm. you know researching on my own um i told my husband i was like i can't not talk about this Mm -hmm. and he was like prepare (laughs) to people are gonna think you're crazy and i was like so whatever i was like my heart is so into this that i cannot keep my mouth shut and whatever, if I lose friends, and they're not my real friends, right. and maybe one day they'll figure it out and learn that there's actually something, um, there's some, there's truth to this. And if they don't, you can't say you didn't warn them, yeah. or, right. or try to at least encourage them to do some research for themselves, which is one of the big things that we do on this show. Yeah. Yeah, um, we really don't want to have to tell people I told you so, but there's going to be a lot of them. <laughs> I'm probably going to do it. Well, look at how many. I mean, people called us absolutely ridiculous like a year ago just based off of. 75% of those narratives are already destroyed and we're waiting for that last quarter, which will be the fraudulent and stolen election. Yep. So, speaking of which, this is a political podcast for the most part. We do cover COVID. We get in, dabble in the spiritual and the conspiracy theories and things like that. But for the most part, we kind of bring you the news that was for the week with some audio clips. We have guests and then we do commentary. Where do you sit at um, politically in all of this stuff that's going on right now? Or where did you start previously, if yeah. it's changed? Okay, so I've always considered myself a Republican. Okay. Um, I've always been a conservative thinker. Um, I can tell you that it wasn't till this last election that it was my first time voting. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, what? Are you crazy? And I just was not like... I was like, anything politics, do not talk to me about it. Okay. I'm just like... I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You know, I just go with the flow kind of person. Like, I was like, my my vote does not matter. Nobody cares about me. My one little vote is not going to count. And um, <laughs> looking at this election, right? Well, you were I mean, right. <laughs> yeah. um, but I this time around, I was like, we need Trump. I'll do whatever I can to keep him. And... You better fucking make sure my vote does count. Mm-hmm. And now at this point, I will do whatever I can to fight for a true election. You yeah. Know? And um, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to just unequivocal. Just here it is. This is what happened. Here's who won. Yeah. Right. Like, what is the negative on that? Well, someone even said to me, they're like, well, would you have thought this way if it was, you know, reversed? And I was like, either, no matter what, you should always have 
a true election. Yeah. You should never be wondering, you know, it, it, exactly like my thing. You should never wonder, did my vote ever count? Mm-hmm. Or be looking at your status and being like, why does it say that it's still pending? Right. And it's past the time that it's been, they've counted all the ballots. I and, just, um, no, it, 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 that's a really good point that you bring up. And uh, we're just kind of waiting and seeing. I mean, we're, we're in the, the know right now that there were so many things that they talked um, about a year ago or a little bit more, basically starting with the COVID. Um, the COVID. Right, lockdowns <laughs> don't work, masks don't work. There are already pre-established actual treatments out there, not the alternative treatments, which became the vaccines. Me. And then all the way up through the election. I mean, we've pointed it out several times. You're telling me that someone that didn't campaign, and when he did, he went to states and told them how he was going to shut down their jobs. Listen here, fat. Right? Raise their economy and do the direct opposite of what the state voted for in the previous election and then just walk to the greatest vote total in the history of the world. It just doesn't make any sense. Chocolate, and chip, chocolate chip ice cream, too. No cherries. No cherries. No, no like cherries. cherries. Hate cherries. Um... But the fact of the matter is, is that now we're just kind of waiting and seeing in regards to, uh, you know, what's going to happen with that, because we have a lot of stuff getting uncovered at the moment. I think um, I do feel like a very big swing coming back around. I don't know why it's like a one sided boomerang instead of coming back to break the narrative. It's coming back even more tightly. We have like mask mandates being done in Los Angeles. Uh, You had the vice president go on TV yesterday and said that. People who read and really understand the Bible should know the importance of getting the jab. And then almost an hour later, you had the person who's currently occupying the Oval Office in the White House going to get on Marine One, uh, saying that the only people who are killing anyone or hurting anyone in the United States right now are people who are refusing the jab or spreading misinformation about it. So that's kind of the climate we're in right now. I think all the election stuff is really starting to heat up legally and legitimately exposing some of the stuff that's going on. I mean, Arizona is what it is. You have the... The Georgia Secretary of State walking back all of these things he insisted that happened in November right now. Um, filed in Pennsylvania, you have until July 31st to provide uh, the information that uh, Doug Mastriano asked for. They're going to be subpoenaed. W- Wisconsin filed yesterday, uh, one of the state senators there. And they're going to be able to circumvent the Secretary of State there because, number one, she's not officially sworn in. She's like an acting Secretary of State. Number two, the local Congress in uh, the state Senate in Wisconsin is Republican. And then Michigan, you have Matthew DiPerno, who announced the candidacy to run for House Representative seat there. One of our great friends and, and someone who's always on the program. He, uh, whatchamacallit, you know, has his court case still getting ready to go through there. So for something that was called crazy, people were canceled for. I mean, in regards to, like, stuff with the vaccine and lockdowns and the election, if you talked enough crap about it on the Internet, the, the feds would come to your house. Yeah, you get zucked. Yeah, I mean, it, it really wasn't like we've had people on the show who said, like, you know, they talked about this or they posted this online and then they would have like the FBI or the DEA or, or entities of DHS like come to their house and talk to them about it. Like, why are you spreading this misinformation? That's a year. <laughs> yeah. A year ago when that information that they were spreading online may not have been substantiated or reported in the mainstream media, but now is proven to be fact. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the climate we're living in right now. And you're starting to experience some of that stuff firsthand. Well, it's like the media just con- consistently just saying that anything about the election unfounded mm-hmm. you know completely baseless claims of fraud when it's like well uh, I hate to break it to you I'm still waiting for them to eat the eat the crow on that one because yeah, not only does it look like it's extremely based 
like Rand Paul when he has Dr. Fauci up on Capitol Hill. Uncle Fauci. Um, it's widespread and rampant, like was mm-hmm. accused of in the first place. I mean, every single place we're going, Georgia's already talking about ballots nearing hundreds of thousands. Arizona, like we've had people on the show today who said they've talked to people or know people that have worked the audit. So have we. They've reached out to us. They've gone through the background checks. They worked their, you know, 412s or two weeks and They've sent us pictures of uh, ballots with watermarks. They sent us pictures of ballots without watermarks. But they all are under the, um, you know, uh, feeling of one thing and one thing only. Everything Mike Lindell has gone out and said over the past seven, eight months is true. And there's going to be 200 plus thousand ballots in Arizona that didn't count. I mean, he just said, watch out Wednesday. He's got some big news. Yeah. And and it seems like for as much as they try to cancel him, I, I actually made a point to my wife not too long ago all of his commercials still remain on regular cable news networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and if all of this stuff that he's saying was really so bad, I know they've canceled him from some of the big box stores, but they would just completely eliminate him and wipe him away. I mean, he's a, he's a product salesman. He's not an elected official. He's not a past you know, president or anything yeah. like that. He's, we call him the humble pillow farmer on our show, and, and we love him. We just want to ask him why. Yeah. <laughs> like, what compelled him to do what he's doing and spend millions of dollars and put his business and family and everything else at risk, you know, just for the sake of uh, fair and legitimate elections. But, you know, it looks like we're going to be finding out soon. So. I feel, though, too, I mean, at this point, I feel like the people that are out there fighting are risking everything. I mean, everything. Their heart is just in it, and they want that truth, and they will do whatever to fight for what America's supposed to stand for, you know? Yeah, that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, we used to say it a lot more. I don't know if we thought it was funny or we used to just say it to make ourselves feel better because it's actually true. But we run the risk of, of, you know, putting everything out there on the line by doing podcasts like this and expressing our concerns and our opinions and encouraging people to do research where research is being repressed and, and people are being, you know, harassed and canceled over it. So... And that's just one of the things, like, you know, we had Clay on about a week and a half ago, and for as fast and as energetic it was, he did stop at one point, and he's like, I need to ask you guys both on the spot. Why do you do this? What brings you here? And, like, before he could even finish the sentence I'd spit out, I was just, like, calling. And he's like, okay, so you said you feel called to do this. And I said, yes, I do. Like, I have so much other stuff going on in my life, family, work's crazy, have kids, and then we still find the time once a week to put a really best show we can to kind of inform people and, and bring them into the know about all the stuff that you don't hear about but is really going on in lieu of sleeping <laughs> definitely in lieu of sleeping so um we want to direct people to some of the online resources that you have so what do you feel comfortable putting out there well whatever you give us will link in the podcast description and then obviously you're going to say either be an account a link tree whatever you have um, so, as in my Instagram? Yeah, could be your Instagram. Um, I mean, my Instagram account is Truth on Draft, mm-hmm. um, which is currently very shadow banned right, right now. Unexpected. Um, I mean, nobody can even mention me in anything. I saw um, you for like two days, and then you just disappeared from my feed when I first started yeah. following you. <laughs> so now I have my backup. It's Truth on Draft 2.0. Okay, pretty um, simple. Now we have a couple of those. Yeah, so we're. <laughs> that's the one I'm currently working off of, but. Um, I'm kind of dabbling in both. Yeah, we, we were the same way. We lost our main account about three weeks ago, and we're assured that we were getting it back, and it was disabled by mistake because mm-hmm. we didn't receive warnings or post anything too inflammatory. But to this point, we still haven't gotten it back. So 
It's just one of those things. How many um, apology uh, emails are you up to now? We had 44 total. Nice. Yeah, 44 spam emails from Instagram that said they deleted it by mistake and we could log back in, but we still can't. Oh, man, that was my um, that was my mom page, and uh, they uh, never gave it back. Yeah, and I mean. And it's actually completely gone. Like, I can't even see it on my stuff. It's wiped out. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, we're getting pretty close. I think uh, it was the Friday of 4th of July week, so we have, like, maybe another week and a half, and then it'll be past the 30 days, and then I heard it's just returned to the ether. Oh, goodness. So, so it's gone? Almost. Mm. Don't you love that? No, because <laughs> Garbaggio and Lord Petty always get their accounts back and we don't get ours. Well, they said they were giving it back. Huh? Yeah, I know, but they actually get their accounts back. They're just kidding, guys. They, yeah. don't, they don't want you back. JK. But, but we know what that means. I mean, we've been in this business, well, I wouldn't say long enough, but, but doing this consistently enough and then following all these patriots around that are events like this to know that we are pretty close to being over the target, at least with our commentary. And then some of our guests um, are a lot of the favorites who don't really uh, fit in too good on the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. But we thank you for sitting down with us. Yeah, thank we- you guys. I mean, I got a little bit more comfortable after the first first couple of minutes. No, there was, it was rough. No, so it was I'm good. And, and I think moving forward, you know, as stuff kind of develops with you and, and things change or don't maybe even get worse. We'd love to have you back. Yeah. So we're connected on social media now. You, I mean, you have my phone number, yeah. and you could just keep me updated. And, and when we feel the need to, we'll bring you back on. Yeah, I'd love to. Love so. to. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thanks for sitting with us. Nice. Bye. Joining us now on the program, Mr. Chris Bennett. Welcome to Steak for Breakfast. Thank you. How are you doing today, sir? Pretty good. Um, looks like you've brought some books and a handout. Why don't you, why don't you tell our listening audience just uh, who you are and, and what you're bringing with you today? Great. Well, um, I, my name's Chris Bennett, and um, I've been working for the last 20 years with my father. He was a professor of medicine at UCLA for 35 years. Okay. And he wrote a book called In 12 Weeks You Can Control Your High Blood Pressure Without Drugs. Uh, Dr. Cleves Bennett. And so uh, I've been working with, the, with him the last 20 years, and I came upon a five-minute video with... Joe Biden, Obama, Senators Lamar Alexander, Ron Wyden, Chuck Schumer, Patty Murray, Dick Durbin, Chuck Grassley, Nancy Pelosi, and Javier Becerra, All who's running favorites. healthcare. Right. So a five-minute video with in no which, experience, in which um, uh, they say that millions of seniors are taking 16 medications and it's making them sick and bankrupting Medicare and killing them. Mm-hmm. They didn't say killing them. Right. They just said, well, it's bankrupting Medicare. We've got to fix it. Yeah. So instead of fixing it, they buried it, and 10 years later, all those people are dead. Millions of seniors have died from bad combinations of drugs. So for the last 10 years, I've been trying to bring attention to this five-minute video on my YouTube channel. Okay. And then we will, uh, for sure, on our podcast website, link, and that's the YouTube link right there? Right. Along with your name and then a description of what we talked about. Uh, why don't you kind of break it down a little bit for us audioly before our audience will be able to go listen and watch it visually? Oh, great, great. Okay. So um, this, this was the uh, Obama Health Care Summit in which they created Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so they were talking, and it was um, Senator Kent Conrad who said, 
who said this, millions of seniors are taking 16 medications. And he had also said it three years before, and I've got that video on my YouTube channel also. He said it to President Bush's uh, budget guy, I think. Um, so what I'm blowing on the whistle on is our top leaders are psychopaths. <laughs> and so this five minute video proves that they're psychopaths. And so when this five minute video gets spread around, and I invite all your listeners to spread it around to everybody you can. No, oh, we, we've got a really good listenership that would be more than happy to do that. Um, you know, that's all I want to do is just, I gave this to um, Fox News, um, the local Fox News here. Um, I'm blocking on his name, but he's on my, my, my uh, Vimeo channel. Mm -hmm. um, I gave it to him and uh, asked him to do some news reporting on it. And I got him on video, and I posted it on my Vimeo channel. Mm -hmm. You know, next time I came back, I caught him, I found him, I tracked him down, and I did it again. I gave it to him again. Next time, he was really unfriendly. Oh, I bet. <laughs> That'll happen. Uh, so what it says in the letter, besides millions of seniors are getting poisoned, is that right now we're spending $4 trillion a year on sickness care so give everybody drugs mm -hmm. half of those drugs don't work that's the big secret that I'm bringing forward but they're expensive and they're expensive so they don't work so over 10 years you get sicker and then every most Americans die 20 or 30 years early from illnesses which are reversible with healthy living mm -hmm. so that's what Dean Ornish says. I've got his book here. Okay. Undo it. Um, how simple lifestyle changes can reverse most chronic illnesses. Okay. So what I propose in the letter is we're spending $4 trillion a year on sickness care. If we spend $1 trillion on healthy living solutions, like free gyms, mm -hmm. then we'll save $2 trillion a year. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what are some of the other things in the Undo It book that uh, are kind of suggested along the way? Well, every year we have a million deaths from illnesses, which he says are reversible and preventable with healthy living. Okay. Um, so there's um, high blood pressure. Half of Americans have high blood pressure right now. Mm -hmm. So here's another critical fact which I'm attempting to share is the reason why we have high blood pressure, hypertension, is because our leaders are psychopaths and they're creating so much conflict and suffering, it's making us all stressed out and sick. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a contributing factor. Yeah. So especially with the, uh, the way the news climate has been the last five, six years especially. Yeah, the news people, half of them focus, get to one extreme the other half go to the other extreme they don't talk about solutions mm -hmm. they don't even talk to each other they just trade insults so all that conflict you know my parents are really worried about everything they're hearing on the news on it takes a toll yeah it drives up people's blood pressure so that's what you're seeing in the news reports people's blood pressure's up they're having more heart attacks more suicide more addictions yeah i was going to say more reliant on addictive alcohol drugs Tobacco, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, do you guys know anybody with high blood pressure? I'm sure. sure. Yeah. 
have to. Can you mention, you know, anybody? Like specifically? Well, you know, my uncle, my... Probably my mother, yeah. My mother. Maybe your mother. Yeah, okay. probably guaranteed my mother. And how old is she? Uh, 72, I think. Yeah, so she'll go into the doctor. This is how screwed up the medical system is. Hmm. She'll go to the doctor. The doctor will say, oh, you have high blood pressure. Exercise. You should go try to exercise and eat right. And here's a beta blocker, which blocks adrenaline at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. But he won't say, what's bothering you? What's going on in your life? How's your relationships? Right. He'll take like a legitimate number and prescribe a drug to try and change that number according to what he thinks is right. But the contributing factors that don't necessarily have to do with anything other than what could be affecting the person is what the issue is, or maybe a, a large part of the issue. Exactly. Um, the way you said is right. Um, my dad said this, figured this out 40 years ago, uh, that they're trying to manipulate the numbers mm-hmm. and the chemicals in your body and saying, well, that'll make you healthy. That'll prevent you from dying. No, it won't. The proof is in the reality. So what's wrong in the whole entire debate for the last year is the medical system people never say it's screwed up and people are dying because the medical system screwed up. Right. They don't take responsibility. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that third book you got there? Uh, this is my father's original book. He published it originally back in 1984. Oh, wow. So it's been out there for a while, huh? Yeah. And then this is, it was republished and it was endorsed. Here he is right here. Handsome man. Thanks. Um, he looks just like you. How come you don't have a mustache? Uh, it fell out. I shaved it off, actually. Oh, okay. Um, this morning. Um, it wasn't very long either. <laughs> but anyway, um, just like a quarter of a micro inch. Okay, I got you. I got you. So anyway, uh, so back then, right before he published this book, he was the founding medical director of the Pritigan Longevity Center, mm-hmm. which you guys might probably didn't hear of. It was famous back in the 90s. And uh, my dad was at UCLA, and, and he brought an investor, and they bought a hotel in Santa Monica. And then they'd have a bunch of people live there for a month and exercise and eat right. So back in 1979, he proved that people could get off all the drugs they're taking. So instead of spending $100 billion or hundreds of billions of dollars on drugs every year, if we spent that money on free gyms. Access to better foods. Yeah. Better foods. Well, I'm sure Big um, Pharma was uh, pretty excited to jump on that. Mm. Mm, First well, in line. Well, let me tell you this. Um, I was supposed to work with um, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher was going to help me blow the whistle. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly she died mm-hmm. and they found cocaine and heroin and ecstasy that's pretty amazing didn't she do a video shortly before that that said she she didn't want to die or if anything happens to her it would not be of you know her own accord uh, i didn't hear about that one yeah i'm pretty sure she did have you seen it yeah I mean, it was kind of circulating around carrie fisher yeah carrie fisher from star wars yeah princess okay. leia that's what I've we're talking about find that one i've never heard but about anyway that. here's what i'll tell you this is right in this letter here it says um senator Con- kent conrad was the guy in the video who says millions of seniors are taking 16 medications. In fact, why don't you play it right now for five minutes and then I'll tell you the rest of the story. That does not have to do with the concerns that you've got about hospitals or uh, uh, doctors getting properly reimbursed. This is a program that's going to insurance companies. But I, 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 I want to I make sure that 
Kent gets uh, uh, in here because Kent knows something about the budget as the chairman of the budget committee. Kent? Well, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for allowing us to come and visit about what really is the 800-pound gorilla facing the federal budget, and that is the health care accounts of the United States, Medicare, Medicaid, and the rest. What we all know that is true is the biggest unfunded liability of the United States is Medicare. What we all know is true is the trustees have told us Medicare is going to go broke in eight years. So the idea that we don't have to do anything about Medicare is utterly disconnected from reality. The idea that we don't have to find savings in Medicare is an admission that we are headed for a fiscal cliff that we're going to go right over. And if we really want to endanger the benefits to people who are getting Medicare, the best way to do that is to do nothing. Because if we do nothing, we will guarantee that Medicare goes broke. So together, we can either do this together or we can have this imposed on us. I very much hope we do it together. Senator Coburn, and I'm sorry, did he leave? I'm sorry that he's not here because he said something that I thought was one, one of the most important comments made here today and something that I think has gotten way too little attention. And that's the question of those who are chronically ill. As we analyzed Medicare, we found a startling statistic. 5% of Medicare beneficiaries, 5% use half of all the money. I think Paul knows this well. 5% use 50% of the money. Who are they? They're the chronically ill. People who have multiple serious conditions. And I think Dr. Coburn was really referencing that when he talked about the need to better coordinate their care. Because we are wasting massive amounts of money and getting worse health care outcomes than we could if we better coordinated their care. What do we mean by that? A, a study was done with 20,000 patients. They put a care coordinator on each one of them. These are chronically ill patients. And what they found was by coordinating their care, and the first thing they did, by the way, is go into their kitchen tables, sit down, get out all their prescription drugs. On average, they found they were taking 16. They found that by looking at them, they could eliminate eight. The result was hundreds of thousands of dollars of savings per patient, better health care outcomes. You know, I did this with my own, my own father-in-law in his final illness. Went to his kitchen table, didn't know it was his final illness. Got out all his prescription drugs. Sure enough, he was taking 16. I get on the phone to the doctor. I go down the list. Dr. Coburn, you were out of the room. I, I referenced you because you said something that really triggered a thought in my mind that I think is important. Went down the list of what my father-in-law was taking, 16 prescription drugs. I get in the line to the doctor, and he says, well, Kent, I get down to about the third one. He shouldn't be taking that. He shouldn't have been taking that the last five years. I get a little further down the list, two drugs. He says, well, Kent, he shouldn't be taking those two drugs. They work against each other. I said, Doc, how does this happen? He said, Kent, it's very simple. 
He's got a heart condition. He's got a serious lung condition. He's got orthopedic issues. He's got doctors for each one of those. He's getting prescription drugs mail order. He's getting them at the hospital pharmacy. He's getting them down at the beach. He's sick and confused. His wife's sick and confused. We've got chaos. And my conclusion, after all of these hundreds of hours of hearings and meetings that Senator Grassley and Senator Baucus were part of and Senator Enzi, was that indeed we do. We have a system that is characterized, especially for those people, by chaos. We can do better. And we really don't have a choice because we've got a debt now, a gross debt, 100% of our GDP, headed for 400% that nobody believes is sustainable. So I, I just pray that we find a way to come together and deal with these things seriously. Because if we don't, we will rue the day. All right, let's take a quick President, break uh, as uh, we uh, continue to watch. That's some pretty powerful testimony. Yeah, wow. There's a lot of players who are still pretty active in the game all the way back there. And, mm-hmm. you know, decades ago. Pretty interesting. Decade. Yeah. What do you... Uh, what's the big message from that combined with some of the stuff that you've already told us uh, that you want to really relay out to everybody? Well, they, they're saying in the news that half of the deaths from COVID were in nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And so those are people that are overloaded with medication. So that's what they're dying. That's why they're dying. If those people had been put on a healthy living program 10 years ago, and all those seniors, they'd be healthy. They mm-hmm. wouldn't be vulnerable to COVID. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So it's the underlying conditions. And we've heard it over and over in the news. It's the underlying conditions which are making people vulnerable. Mm-hmm. High blood pressure. Cardiovascular disease, everything like that. And so, but I posted that six years ago on my YouTube channel, and so for six years I've been trying to fix it. I'm trying to connect with people, and this is my first time. Well, that's good. I'm glad yeah. you have to have the experience come down and share with us. It's definitely be interesting to kind of, you know, get get this information out there, and we will be doing that. Um, one of the big things we do, I already have your information here as far as contact that we'll include mm-hmm. in our podcast page with links for you, but why don't you tell our listeners exactly where they could find you at? Mm, Best places see. online. Um, my website is newplanettechnologies.com, newplanettechnologies.com. Okay. And I'm a whistleblower on about 10 different things. Okay. And so are you guys going to be here today and tomorrow? We yeah, we'll be here tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk to you again. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. Great. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, right. Chris, joining us now, we have a uh, human rights attorney, Miss Lee Dundas. Welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So what brought you out to uh, the Reawaken America tour? Uh, Clay Clark invited me, <laughs> and you'd be a fool to say no to that man. He's got it going on. He uh, puts on good good productions with good talent and uh, together we're waking up in america so i am more than happy to be here particularly given that it's in my own backyard oh that's nice. convenient yes yeah. Yeah. it's kind of like our next neighborhood we're down from we're up from san diego today yeah oh you're just right down the five freeway from me yeah <laughs> but, but kind of in the same boat to where when we we just asked clay to come on the podcast and and tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about himself and the tour and he said i'll do you one better i'll eventually get on which he already did uh, why don't you come up to Anaheim since it's close to you guys and, and do your thing like you do down there up here? So here we are. And here we are. Yeah. How has the experience been for you so far? Is this the first one you've been on? 
No, I was in Tulsa and Tampa as well. Those were some pretty high-energy events, just like the one that's going on today, huh? Indeed. Indeed they were. Yeah, it seems like we were pulling in this morning. It looked like you could have been driving into a Trump rally based on all the <laughs> traffic that was on the street, the flags, the outfits that people were wearing. It was it's passable. Just, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot of high-energy, spiritual goodness going on here. And uh, For sure. What did you bring to the uh, table in regards to your speaking engagement? Well, um, today I decided to talk about communism okay. and California. Oh, even better. And a horse by the name of Secretariat, because right. somehow they all related. Mm. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're not familiar, I mean, I'm sure you are because you're living where I'm living mm-hmm. in, in California, now known as California. <laughs> but we are truly in the middle of a of a Marxist communist takeover. You know, in the 50s, uh, Khrushchev said, uh, "I will take America without firing a single shot." Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't need to invade the U.S. We will destroy the U.S. from within. And 70-some-odd years later, we've got 52% of surveyed millennials saying they would like to live in a communist state, yep. which is a heck of a problem and probably a result of the fact that those children have not lived in a communist state <laughs> IRL in real life. So I told their parents in the audience and any kids in the audience, I said, until such time as your parents can get you to a third world country so you can get some reality on what an actual communist state looks like, I'm going to tell you three little stories about communism. And, uh, and I did, and I think it made an impact because, you know, people have this utopic idea of what communism is. Oh, but yeah. really what it is is it's a bunch of power-hungry people who say they're going to get rid of centralized government, but the only way to do that is to set up a new, a new centralized government to get rid of the old one, and then they're the new power guys in town. And then they end up shooting you face down in shallow graves like they did in Cambodia and in various other places. And so I figured that the youth in the uh, country we're living in really needed to hear that. So I told a couple of stories about that. And the sex slaves who are happy to be in brothels where I work in Thailand because they're escapees from Laos and their parents are faced with a, a decision of either selling their eldest daughter to a brothel or watching all of their children starve to death in Laos because they're so darn poor. Mm-hmm. And so they sell their children to brothels, and for their part, the girls are, quote, happy and will tell you so to your face to be raped 10 times a night for profit by men and then die by way of pimp or John or AIDS because at least they're not starving to death, nor are their families. So I think if people actually understood not the pretty picture of what communism is like that our Marxist schools have been painting for them, but the actuality of living in a communist country, I think they would have a different answer, and we need to get that different different answer sooner rather than later. Yeah, I definitely think you've pointed out some uh, really hot toppies when it comes to uh, living it up communism style. I, living it up? So, well, I mean, the only things I think you didn't hit on was bread lines and eating your pets. So besides oh, that... Well, actually, my final story was a guy who had escaped a work camp where they were made to mine with their bare hands, and they locked the Perfect. guys underground for five and a half months, and when he got out, he, he was chased by an attack dog from you know the stolen gulag uh, guards, and he realized at, at the point where he was on his back on the ground and the dog was about to bite his throat out that it was him or me, so he actually used his teeth to rip the dog's throat out, and when he heard the crunch, he realized he had been successful. And so I looked into the audience eyes and I said make no damn mistake this is what actual communism looks like where you will rip out an animal's throat before it rips yours out in order to save your skin so don't think for a second it's a smooth ride where the government's giving you a handout communism works by making everybody equal in the form of being equally poor yeah yeah I thought you were gonna say he ate the dog but I guess kind of he probably did they were starving you know after five and a half months of buried in the mine but I feel like uh, mining with your bare hands probably not the most uh, time, time efficient, you know, use of uh, your labor force. 
And therein lies the problem of communism. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's not a logical proposition. Mismanagement. There you go. Well, those are some excellent examples you've pointed out across the world. But I, I think the fact of the matter is, is that there is a big push for that kind of garbage here in the United States today. Um, yeah. We have everything from election interference, the issues that we're having with healthcare now, and from ranging from everything to like we just had a guy on who talked about over medicating seniors to make their conditions worse, all the way up through the vaccine. Um, the indoctrination that's going on with uh, the schools, you have implementation of things like CRT and not only K through 12 education, but all the way up through the federal government branches of the military now. Yep. Um, so it's easy to point those things out because they're true and we see them and we've heard, you know, mm -hmm. people tell really bad stories about them. What solutions are you bringing to the table right now um, to kind of pick up not only awareness, but move towards a, a viable solution for the United States? Well, I think what people need to understand is it doesn't really matter which tyrannical regime you look at, whether it was Stalin or Hitler or Pol Pot in Cambodia. You know, all of these genocides occurred and we're, we're really tempted to demonize the dictator who mm -hmm. everybody hangs their hat on that particular hook. And make no mistake, they were bad men. But the Holocaust was not the result of Hitler. No. It was the result of millions of people who turned a blind eye to Hitler mm -hmm. and did his bidding. And so people in the first instance need to not be led astray. They need to understand what the Mockingbird Media Project was, yep. that the CIA took over our media in the 50s, and I frankly don't think they ever got out based no. on what we're seeing now. No. They need to understand that Stanley Milgram did an experiment by which two out of three Americans would willingly kill their neighbor by electrocuting them to death with 450 volts if a man in a white lab coat asked them to over a wrong answer on a memory test. We need to understand we are hardwired to follow authority, but it's not always in a good way. Right. And then we need to understand that no bad dictator can take over at all if we, the people, don't let them. We, the people, have the power. We have the power at the local level. You need to start going to your school board meetings, your city council meetings, your county council meetings, all those meetings. And you need to start walking the, watching those agendas like a hawk. And when you see a bad plan like a digital passport campaign coming down the pike like we did in Orange County, California, you get hundreds of your nearest neighbors, or in our case, thousands, and mm -hmm. if you don't have them in your city, you borrow them from neighboring cities and mm -hmm. states. Mobilize. You mobilize. And you go in and you figure out who is driving the plan, you research everything there is to know about that bad dude, because there's always one ringleader. Mm -hmm. And then if he's not holding open city council meetings where you can make your democratic First Amendment rights heard, you go find him where he lives and works as long as there's no law saying you can't protest on his sidewalk in your city, state, or town. And then you do that, because let me tell you, there is nothing they like less than having their wife open the garage door to go to Costco and not being able to get their damn car out of the garage because 400 people are standing there with bullhorns saying, we don't want to be teaching pornography to five-year-olds yep. and no way in hell are we going to allow our children to be vaccinated without our consent or knowledge, which is what Orange County was trying to do a couple mm -hmm. months ago. And that is how you take the power back and don't think for a second you can't. We are the leaders that we have been waiting for. Yeah, they've, they've really tried to beat us down over the last five or six years, but I think the more things that are coming to fruition that we were told or canceled for like a year and a half ago, the vaccine, the lockdowns, the mass, the presidential election, all the way up through events popping up all over the place just like this one. I think the fear is really starting to get instilled on the other side to see that this beat up majority is now growing like it's never grown before. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, 20, what is it? 40% of the people signing Newsom's recall petition in certain areas mm -hmm. were Democrats. And yep. the study that came out yesterday that showed them in a dead tie on question one, which is, do you want to recall? They oversampled Democrats 23% or something that. like that. Yeah. Those are like and, some Joe Biden poll numbers. And they, right, right. <laughs> Listen here. And they still came out 50 50. So I think we got a shot at recalling this guy. And you know why? Because he's going after our kids. Yep. And it doesn't matter what party you say you're part of when your kid can't go to prom or go to school or go to a football game and is sucking in their own co2 until they're passing out on the mm -hmm. football field every darn parent from oregon down to the san diego border where you're sitting there with tj has figured out that this guy does not have anybody's best interests at yep. our least of all our kids and they are over it with a capital o i really feel like he's going to get lit up pretty bad when they have their debates. I mean, there's just so many hypocritical things to point out. Right. French laundry, $1,000 plate. Never closed. Know. Never well, closed. Well, the, the Delta variant will inevitably make it so they can't have debates oh. in person. Of course. Of course. Convenient. We have to be scared of those variants. You yeah. know, they might actually kill 99, you know, 0.02 or something right. percent of the 0.02% of the population. Well, this is this is awesome. I, I'd like you to. Uh, we're gonna link you up on our podcast description. We'll put your name and then your website. But can you direct anybody, whether you have social media, an email, contact information, that people want to get in touch with you in regarding like your work or maybe even being organized? Do you have any of that for us? I do. So you can follow me at leedundas.com. My mother gave me extra letters, so that is L-E-I-G-H-D-U-N-D-A-S.com. I don't sell you anything. It's just where to find me when Facebook has me in jail, which is, as you guys know, pretty permanently Often. nowadays. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Lee Dundas. There's two of us. One's an Australian chef who's a dude. That's not me. There's your first clue. Uh, it's Lee Dundas for Freedom, the number for Freedom on Instagram. But most importantly, all of the studies that I've been citing, uh, you know, left, right, and center in front of these school boards about how dangerous masking is, how mm -hmm. dangerous social distancing is, how dangerous the vaccines are, all that good stuff, the lockdowns. Um, all of those studies I put in letters that I light up the city councils and our governor with, and all of those letters are on my website, nonprofit website. It is citizens dash rights.org both words are plural that's citizens-rights.org under the resources page and you may use all or some of those letters put your own darn name on them send them to your school board uh, or just leave them as is and tell them you're my friend and if they don't get on the right side of this you're going to send lead under us after them when i'm in your state next uh, but there's no reason that all my good hard research should be going to waste go ahead and use it don't reinvent the wheel and uh, if you want to donate to us you can also donate there and one last quick plug and then i swear to god i'll wrap up <laughs> we're doing a little tour right now. It's a risefreedomtour.com. That's a risefreedomtour.com. It's Scott McKay, Patriot Street Fighter Scott McKay, Sasha Stone, and me. We're going to be in Kentucky on Monday. We're going to be in uh, Tennessee at a historic residence in Brentwood at 530. Nice. Yeah, the Maple Lawn Residence, historic old uh, residence there, 530 p.m. on Wednesday. And then we're going to be in Tampa, Florida, wrapping our final stint on the tour this Friday. So I'd love to see you guys there on the eastern seaboard if you're in town. Well, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, please keep doing what you're doing, whether it be just organizing people, either advocating for them, even at a legal level, and then going around doing these reawakening tours. There's, there's, we've talked about it you know, pretty much all day. There's so many people out there that, that are either exhausted or don't know that it's okay, that we're still here. And this is going to be, you know, when, when the boomerang swings back, it's going to be better than it had been. 
Always. I think the first time it sure is. So Yeah. No, ty- tyranny never wins. God wins, justice wins, freedom wins, and America is usually right up there with all of those. So this is going to end, and it's going to end on our side of the equation. We just need to stay the course. Yeah, amen to that. Well, Ms. Lee Dundas, thank you for sitting down with us. Yeah, it was awesome. Pleasure was mine, guys. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.